Hey guys, Hydroberg here, Cut Above Horror Review. Tonight we are going to get a little nerdy with special guest Botter, host of the Shortbox Podcast. He's here to help us break down the Man of Steel-inspired Brightburn from 2019. It's up, up, and away on episode 115 of A Cut Above, and it's starting now. Cut my life into pieces! Good evening, and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing Brightburn from 2019. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, I'd like to introduce a very special guest appearing with us for the first time. It's Botter from the Shortbox Podcast. Welcome, Botter. Yo! What How you cut- doing? <laughs> I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Thank you so much for that intro. Thank you. Hello. Nice sure. to be here. Feeling good. Feeling real good. Nice to have you. I think you're going to be a great fit for talking about this particular movie. Come on, you guys! You guys are talking superheroes and comics. I, I smelt it all the way from here, <laughs> all, right, all the way from here, in Jacksonville, Florida. I was like, let me get on that pod, Hydra. Let me get on the pod. Nice. And we are neighbors. We happen to be kind of neighbors, or like not not like on the same street, but we're in the same. Nah, city. Look, you're, you you live in uh, the, the bougie cousin. Like like you're the bougie cousin to my city, right? Like you're the cousin that's like. Oh, yes, we're related by blood. <laughs> or, or not by blood, by law. By law. But, but yeah. cousins nonetheless, nonetheless. You're right. Cousins nonetheless. <laughs> well, great to meet you. Great to have you on the show. Uh, looking forward to this discussion. Hell yeah. All right. Next up, we got John. What's going on, John? What's happening, Jacqueline, uh, Heidelberg, and Botterman? Welcome aboard. If anybody has not checked out the Short Box podcast, go check it out right now wherever you get your podcast. It is fantastic, especially uh, if you're of the ilk of the, uh, shall we say, higher intelligence um, comic books. Yeah, you know what? I like to describe ourselves that, in that exact same way, John. You know, we're the, we're the upper echelon, all right? Um, you know what I like to describe our podcast? Uh, we are the short box podcast is the MCU of the comic book podcast world. You know, we got good production. We got good, uh, good talent, just overall solid property or uh, a product. Right. And I'm talking like, you know, phase one through four, right? The good stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Go check it out for sure. Nice. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi. Uh, and last but not least, we got our boy Hydraberg. How's it going, Hydraberg? Yo, what's going on? What's up, Botter? With great Look. power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I wish uh, I'm, I'm still learning that lesson right yeah, there. Yeah, my uncle Dude. taught me that. <laughs> Is it the uncle that's doing just fine and living well? Nah, he, nah, he passed, unfortunately. Damn, man. He got he was caught yeah. slipping. Yeah. Now, now it got real. Oh, my God. Very well, cool a, to, was... to have you on the show. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And, I, and I'm glad that all your co-hosts also call you Hydroberg. Because for a minute, I thought I was doing a botterism where I'm calling people by, like, their, their online name and, you know, looking foolish out here. Nah, but, man. But I love that, that you stick to your guns with Hydroberg, and that's just what you're known as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because we all met through the straight chilling community, and that was my, my name what? on there already. Which, by the way, I'm finding out because I listened to the um to your episode with, with Shaggy and Jose from the Cinema Villains podcast. So already I got to shout them boys out. But I, what I got out of listening to that episode was just how deep that straight chilling community goes, man. Like, look, and they're from my hometown, right? So I, I feel a little bit of, of super pride. The fact that I can say, you know, one of the best uh, horror, you know, uh, podcasts out there is, is from here in, in Duval. Um, but 
and I knew like they were huge, right? I, I, their production as well. Robbie treats the show. I've been on a few times. I've always had a great time, and they just have a solid show. But I, oh, I guess I underestimated how tight the community is. That's really cool that all of you guys met from there. And, you know, Shaggy Black is mentioning things about the community. And yeah, it's, it's a cool full circle type thing. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but I mean, it's really become like a central source of friendship for a lot of us. Um, and especially kind of during the pandemic, I think that it yeah. is like kind of a social lifeline for a lot of us. And I mean, we remember each other's birthdays and celebrate each other. Oh, that is so some, cool. some shit some, in the mail. That is yeah, cool. sending stuff in the mail. We like, you know, we we celebrate when somebody buys a house or has a baby or gets engaged cool. or has a breakup. We're there for them. You know, it's like, Aww. I mean, damn, that is awesome. Like real friendship. It's, it's cool. not. It's not just talking about horror stuff. And let me, ec- yeah, let me echo what Jacqueline is saying because I mean, it. Everybody considers like comic <laughs> books and horror movies niche, but it's really not. It's just a community of people that love the the. You know, just that community of, of we can all share a story. You know, this is my favorite. This is your favorite. Whether it's a comic book, DC. They're both or... similar communities. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 But I think what's, what's cool here is that a a podcast was formed through the community of another podcast. I think that that's a pretty yeah. cool. So I, I haven't I don't know too many that have had that start. And as someone who just got back from a like a really big podcast, conference where like NPR and Spotify and Apple were all there, like all these huge corporate players. At the end of the day, like I, I left thinking, man, I, I just need to do more of the community. Like I, you know, I yeah. learned a lot about like sales and ads and marketing, but the, the biggest lesson I got was like the community that I'm building here in Jack's, um, which by the way, Jacqueline, I, I'm going to formally invite you on the show to come check out the Jack's Podcasters United group. We do oh, okay. a, a quarterly meetup. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we do quarterly meetups. Um, we're doing one in this month. It's just going to be like 40, 50 podcasters that show up. So you got to come on out. Um, Robbie's been to a few times and all that. But long story short, community and podcasting is fucking beautiful. And it's a big reason why I continue to do podcasting. I'm, I'm a fucking crazy person. You know, I've been doing it for like 12 <laughs> years. Oh, and wow. some days I'm like, why do I do this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so like I've still got to edit and still got to work. But it's a community, man. And, and you guys are a prime example of like that power of community that drives creators to continue podcasting. Well, definitely. Because I've been listening to Straight Show and for like, I don't I want to say seven years now, but I found your show through them as well because of Caesar uh, being on yeah. the, the show. And then yeah, uh, yeah. I became a Patreon of your show. And I, I, haven't, I haven't listened to every, all 400 episodes. Congratulations, by the way, on your thank 400 you, thank episode. You. Yeah, thank you, thank you. What an accomplishment. Well, yeah, I appreciate I just that. Celebrated it. It was a good episode. I just listened to it. But uh, you have a great back catalog. You've had great guests and interviews. I love the artist spotlights because um, I don't read all this stuff, but I get yeah, like yeah. all these great recommendations from you guys. I write that shit down. I don't always get to get those books, but yeah, all good. Well, look I have at my little list going. That is my favorite compliment to get is from like non-comic readers. I know that sounds weird, um, but I love getting compliments from like people that aren't really into comics or might you know, have a pinky toe in or they have some curiosity. I love like when they can listen to our show and just enjoy it for the entertainment value. I try to keep the entertainment value high and the inside baseball like limited, but not limited enough to where, you know, so a diehard can't appreciate like, you know, some of the uh, uh, the shout outs. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, and, for me, it's your chemistry that really keeps mm, me coming back. Mm-hmm. Now. Really quick. Can I just say because. The Shaggy Black episode, and I keep saying Shaggy Black because it's also Jose, but the Cinema Villains episode. It was the Shaggy yeah. Black episode. It, it yeah, was basically. definitely the Shaggy Black <laughs> He's got, look, 
Shaggy Black has got one of those magnetic personalities that, you know, when he comes in a room, like, it's hard not to, like, you know, listen and, and, and watch him. Yeah. Um, but what I noticed in that episode was that it also opened up very positive with a lot of love. And I'm curious, is this, like, a running thing where anytime you guys have a guest on, it's, like, kumbaya time. Let's, like, you know, let's share accolades and go into it. It's I mean, really it, is. it is. Bit. I would say that is, but I, it's not a shtick. It's it's real because we're inviting on people who are our genuine friends and people that we genuinely respect mm-hmm. and have a lot of love for. So it's yeah, not an... Know. It's not an... <laughs> I don't understand male relationships. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's genuine. It's not an act. It's like, these are the people we want to be associated with. These are the people whose input we want to get and these are the people who are important and meaningful to us and so those those are the only people we invite on yep yeah and you so may not it, it's kind of like every time we have a guest host it really is kind of a kumbaya love fest but there's there's a legit reason behind that awesome i'll be honest your show and straight chillings are two of the big reasons why i felt when john asked me if i wanted to do a podcast but i didn't say no right away because i heard like the relationships that you guys have on your yeah. show and like, you know, you guys are kind of like because, you know, straight chilling too. you guys came up in the same uh, area and there was like this yeah. movement in Jacksonville. And I was kind of just drawn to it at this perfect moment, I guess. And um, yeah. I don't know, it's just sort of an inspiration to hear like friends talk every week about movies. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, two years later now we're going strong. So I kind of have you guys definitely to thank for that as well. No, I appreciate you, it. Well, I, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say, uh, I listened to your show and I was like, if they could do this, I could definitely yeah. do this. You have to do it, John. <laughs> <laughs> and then we brought our fearless leader on and she's the glue that holds this all together. Really? I don't know about all that, but I'll tell you. I don't know. You, you guys, trust me. Yeah, yeah, you got these boys like uh, on their P's and Q's, like, you know, sharing emotion. Like, I don't know. You got to take more credit, Jacqueline. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, well, in the interest of keeping all y'all on your toes, why don't we get into some horror news? Okay, you got it. <laughs> my um, time is over, boys. <laughs> let's get to business. Uh, so we've all been anticipating this. The first teaser trailer for Eli Ross, Thanksgiving dropped. Mm. Thoughts? Anybody? Go ahead, Jacqueline. Okay. I have mixed feelings about this, if I'm yep. being honest. Okay. The Thanksgiving trailer, the fake Thanksgiving trailer, like, 15 16 years ago was my favorite out of Hmm. the grindhouse fake trailers and i was like please god please let i don't believe in god but if i did i would beg god to allow eli roth to make this movie in real life and my prayers have been answered and yet the real trailer now i know it's just a teaser but so far it seems to be lacking some of the charm that initially drew me into the fake trailer um it looks very slick and modern hmm. which is not the vibe that the that the fake one had um you know it looked very retro and kind of degraded film quality and that's you know that's very charming for a certain kind of fan um this looks much more slick so right off the bat i don't know about that I was happy to see a couple of things in the trailer, like the girl jumping on the trampoline, which was kind of an iconic moment in the original trailer. I was also really excited to see, um, what's his name? Hoffman, somebody Hoffman. Rick Hoffman. Rick, yeah, thank you. Um, I was super jazzed to see Rick Hoffman in the trailer because I love him. I think he's, I think he must be like good friends with um, Eli. So I, I was glad about that. But I feel like some of the other iconic stuff in the trailer, in the original trailer, was missing from this one. Now, I get that they can't give away all the like fun kills and stuff, 
but it just didn't give me the same feeling. So I <laughs> am mixed. What about y'all? Bader, what do you think? Yeah, go ahead, Bader. You know, Patrick Dempsey and Rick Hoffman. I was pretty excited. I, I recognized Rick Hoffman's voice as soon as I heard it, um, just from all the years I spent watching Suits. But um, Jack Lanthan, you pretty much summed up how I felt. Like it, it just seemed really slick, kind of like kind of like a plastic. Uh, for some reason, like the word plastic kind of comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like real. I don't know. I, it was just. I don't know. That's what I'm gonna go with. It, it just. It's not something I'm going to like go seek out in theaters. And the game, I don't know. Yeah, that's just where I'm at. I don't know with this one. Hi, Jabert. Um, I'm like kind of with you guys. I'm a little mixed. Like, I think it hits a lot of the beats that I want the film them to do. Uh, it doesn't have the gritty look to it that uh, the trailer did. But technically, this is a trailer for an actual movie that they do have to sell <laughs> and yeah. market. So I understand that they're not going to make it exactly like they did in the you know the fake one. Um, but I do wish at least you know. There was some film grain or some aesthetic. I want that old grit look to hmm. make it look like an 80s slasher that we just happened to find behind the couch or something like that. Like, yeah. oh, shit. Remember this movie? Nobody remembers it. Oh, here it is. That's this it- also this. I'm sorry. No, this also could have been just a, a commercial, you know, like it could have just been a commercial for a product that would have done like a funny, you know, uh, horror approach. Yeah, like it could. have. I don't know. It could have easily been a fucking Sears you know, parody, horror parody commercial. And it would have like worked that way too. That's what I, the more I think about the word plastic, that's what I mean by it. It feels very corporate, mm-hmm. you know, teeny. I mean, hell, I think the, the the lead actress in this, Addison Ray. I don't know if she's the lead, but she is in this movie. And I'm like, where is she from? Because everyone, you know, it's Patrick Dempsey, Rick Hoffman, Tom Dillon. And then it's her. And I'm like, oh, she's a, you know, a, a social media star, which, you know, more power to her. But you know what I'm saying? For the, for this movie, it just kind of only gives into that, so this is just kind of a you know corporate kind of like a gimmicky movie that they're hoping that maybe becomes like so bad that they can just it has like one of those ironic uh followings that they can just keep making <laughs> franchises you know what i'm saying i can kind of see yeah. like i kind of see it for that and i can't get over that part there's probably going to be more to it than what we've seen um, i mean i hope so on you know a full trailer i'm sure will be forthcoming before it's like good gore and kill yeah. it's like yeah. they're gonna- they're not going to pull away from the kills, right? <laughs> I hope yeah. not. I mean, it's it is Eli Roth. Come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, okay. So for me, I agree with all three of what you said. It's so clean, and it's like the grittiness. However, we're talking about Eli Roth here, so hmm. I'm wondering if he has something up his sleeve. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think he cleaned this thing up to kind of wet people's appetites, you know, pardon the pun, you know, when it comes to Thanksgiving. But um, yeah. I, I think he's got, I think he's got something up his sleeve as it gets closer and closer to the movie. Cause this thing yeah. is coming out uh, November 17th. So I think as we get closer, it's going to, you know, he cleaned it up or, or maybe in, in, in post-production, he, he put grain all over it. However, he shot the movie in, you know, whatever film. Yeah. Maybe get like show the tr- make the make the trailer slick, get the butts in the seats, and then mm. give them something. But, so you, you mean know? like so you mean like pull a, pull a Barbie? Yes, like a, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Trick them into the seats Be- because yeah. it it did feel very like like <laughs> colorful. I mean, didn't it feel like bright and colorful? I mean, even yeah. like every even the kill scenes and stuff like that. But it's just like I don't know. I I, I kind of because I know Eli Roth is an intelligent. Dude, he's a great director, but man, I think he's got something up his sleeve with this movie. If it's not like on initial release, maybe he's going to re-release it as the trailer of Thanksgiving hmm. from Grindhouse. Maybe. 
I like your opti- I, I like the optimism a lot because you're right. When you look at Eli Roth's um, like uh, uh, filmography, you're like, wait, this is the same dude that did you know Hostel and Glorious Bastard. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got a vibe. It's got like you know a serious. Like you guys are saying a grit to it. So maybe there is you know a, a, another hand that that'll be a bit dealt, or you know we'll get to see like the trick up the sleeve. Yeah, and and this is a passion project for him because didn't oh, wow. he have like the best time filming that that trailer? You know, it's like th- that's like everything that he loves. He loves that eighties or late seventies, early eighties uh, slasher, um, um, grainy looking film. And I don't know, I, I just I I think he's got something for this movie. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say I'm a little more excited than you guys. I, I mean, I'm still were... excited. I like. Don't get me wrong. I like. I want to be in the theater to see this movie. In fact, Megan and I were sort of making plans for her to come up. Uh, that's the only. Th- I feel like this is that. That's the only place to see a movie like this. Like, you, you're not gonna spend like you know regular money to watch it at home. You're gonna spend like movie money to watch it. And you <laughs> know, at money. least, at least, you know, it's like, look, this movie. It look. It does. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to at least see the kills on the big screen. Mm-hmm. You got it. You know, it's it's called Thanksgiving. You can't watch it during Christmas or, you know, Easter. You got to go watch this in theaters on Thanksgiving. It's one of those like talking kind of point movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sean, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Hyderberg. Get up a, like a little. Are you guys hearing it? One a, little bu- a little buzz. Yeah. Okay. It's just when you're speaking about her. Came out of okay. Yeah, I'm noticing it on my end. Uh, really bad, too. Um, Keep going. And then um, I'll, I'll try to fix it over here while you guys talk. Okay. Uh, John, I actually thought you brought up a really good point, like, uh, you know, bringing up some optimism because it is Eli Roth. Like, Eli Roth is no dummy, and mm-hmm. I think he knows what his fans like and what his fans want to see. And so I maybe I need to have a little bit more faith in him and not, you know, put too much weight on this trailer because I, I think he knows what we want to see, you know? Yeah, he's gone Hollywood, and he made uh, The Clock in the Wall. Was yeah. it the, the, the kids movie? The house with the clock in the wall or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I get that. But I mean, most of anything that he's created, it, it's really passion for him. So I just think, you know, OK, let's let's go with the Hollywood train and let's give this beautiful looking, you know, cliche type slasher movie. They didn't even mention, you know, based off the trailer that you saw in Grindhouse, you know, it's just got this. Yeah. cleanness to it I, I, who who's gonna say thanksgiving you know I, and any horror fan's gonna be like well there's blood rage jacksonville shout out by the way yeah. um <laughs> oh, he's I, got his jag shirt on thanks, nice at thanks killing john thanks killing yeah. can, can we can we not talk about that movie that's like can, can we count poultry geist oh well may i say we have a melange of bad movies so we can talk about oh. birds okay yes we'll yeah. say that the trailer I think like my biggest gripe is just the, the aesthetics, to be honest, like everything else yeah. looks like it's sort of in place uh, to mm-hmm. possibly be, you know, a ridiculous slasher, which is all I really want it to be. I just wanted to be an over the top fucking slasher that has some stupid jokes, maybe, or I don't know, because uh, it looks like it might have a quirky killer. Yeah, but you're not going to get a lot out of a teaser. I mean, you'll get more out of the trailer, I but really I think it's... anyway. Yeah. Well, let's make sure to talk about the trailer when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Sorry. All right. No, no, cool. All right. Um, is that it for news, or is there anything else, John? No, I got one more. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Nun Two Electric Boogaloo. Um, I had to fit it in. I'm sorry. It actually, <laughs> uh, it, it really killed it at the box office. It, for real? Oh god. Yeah. That means um, they're gonna make more. Yeah, eighty-five million dollars. 
like its first weekend um, worldwide, $100 million. However, I'm going to say the positive on this. What I'm going to say is, thank God we've we've got movies like this that people will go out and watch. I mean, making that kind of money, you know, coming out of a pandemic, people are still going to the theaters and watching this. Obviously, it didn't Good make point. as much uh as much as the original the nun i think that made like 385 million dollars but it's getting close i mean people are still craving for this you know to be scared to be even if you're not the ultimate horror fan you're casual it's going to scare the shit out of you <laughs> maybe that's a that's a fair point that's a yet another optimistic view thank you <laughs> a non-cynical view john <laughs> uh anybody seen the nun too i haven't seen the nun one I stayed away from it. Straight chill uncovered it. They said it was horrible. It looked horrible. Yeah. We we I feel like as horror fans, we know when to listen to each other and when to pass things over sometimes. And it's funny because there's times where I will sit down with a movie that I know is shit and I'm just like, I want to see how shit this movie is. But that's just that <laughs> is one of kind of film. Too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I shan't be seeing the nun two in theaters, I'll put it that way. Same. Okay. Well, still, but John, you're right. I agree. Like anything that, you know, rewards horror um, is is fine with me. Like, you know, we saw what life was like when we didn't have movie theaters and they weren't producing anything. And so, you know, I'll, I'm I'm happy if people are going to the theater. So we're we're back in the Hollywood pandemic because they're still on strike. They haven't yep. made an agreement. So ain't that yeah. the truth? It's still yeah. a rough. It's still a rough time for that industry, but. Um, but to your point, you know, it's we're we're back in a time when people can Nothing go to theaters. Movies next year. <clears throat> Nothing but what? A twenty four movies next year because they're uh, they can, that's oh, true. That sounds like a banner year. I'll take it. There you All go. Right. I was gonna bring up the Winnie the Pooh, <clears throat> Blood and Honey Two, Electric Boogaloo, but I'm not going to. So let's just get into the show. I'm sorry. Thank no. you, John. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. I, I just I don't I don't think I have the strength. <laughs> I don't have the strength. I, I was just... offered. The other day from someone that came into my job, um, a free ticket to see uh, Rob Zombie and uh, nice. but I turned it down. I was wait, are you are you for real right now? Or are you just saying that to get the name in? No tickets. I was offered eight tickets. Why didn't you take it? I had a horrible day at work and I just wanted to go home. I had something already going on that day anyway. So is is that the Alice Cooper show, too? Yeah, it was a tour. Oh, damn, dude. Hyderberg. Let me understand this. You were offered a free ticket to go see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper, and you turned it down because you had a bad day at work? I had a yeah. hard time. You know what, Jacqueline, the way you said that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, you broke it down really well. I don't really <laughs> think that concert was going to like boost my spirits either. It was sort of just like, I would have felt like, ugh. Mm-mm. I mean, I would have enjoyed myself, but I, I, think, think, it was just like I, I think that's to... exactly what you needed at that moment. I, I feel know. like that would have turned everything around for you, Hyderberg. Agreed. <laughs> Living Dead Girl, yeah. yeah. That, that was an opportunity missed, and uh, as a as an outside observer, it hurts my heart. But okay, <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, you could have gone to the meet and greet, talked to him, and said, "Hey, we mention you on every show. We're selling all your tickets." Yes, Hydroberg, you could have been networking. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could take a couple stickers, go down there, and say, "Hey, Rob, <laughs> want, a, want a sticker?" <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, fellas, are you ready to get into it? We are. All right. Tonight, we're talking about Brightburn from 2019. Hydroberg, this was your pick. Uh, Can you share with us a little bit about why you picked this? 
Uh, it's a more modern uh, horror film in the past couple of years that's probably slipped through the cracks for some people. I don't know which one of you guys have seen or not seen it. I'm thinking all of you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, first time I, seeing it. I, I, I previously reviewed it on a previous oh, okay. life. I must have skipped that episode. Hmm. I seen it yet. Maybe I hadn't seen the movie at that time, so I didn't listen. But um, yeah, I picked it. I like the ties it has to like comic books a little bit. Superman, it's... um. Uh, not necessarily a James Gunn movie, but it's written by his brothers and produced by him. So uh, he has a good track record. And then uh, I've been I've been talking to Botter about getting him on an episode in the future. So I was like, well, this is a cool mashup, right? You're the comic book guy. You're not necessarily a big horror guy, but this is a little bit of both. So I thought, well, that'd be a cool little mashup. Let's get him on for that. So, yeah, that's that's how I picked it. Awesome. I, in the theater in 2019. You saw it in the theater? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Seems like it would be a good theater watch. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty. All right. Well, oh, it's yeah. time to decide. Time to decide, you guys. Does this movie fuck or suck? Hydroberg, it was your pick. So why don't you go first? <laughs> I mean, I'll go. That is uh, such a good black and white rating system right there. Does it fuck or does it suck? There's no in between, Botter. So you're right. Yeah. No, so there is sure actually. You... <laughs> there is, but I, you know. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's, I'd say this is a super powered fuck with severe mommy and daddy issues, but hmm. fucks. All right. Botter, what say you? Does it fuck or does it suck? Well, uh, it, since we, uh, it sounds like the, the middle ground is, is forbidden. I, I think it leans a little more towards suck. <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't expect I you to say this. that. I'm shocked. <laughs> I do remember only because I felt like. I don't know how, how deep you guys want me to go or just keep it at high level for now. You want me to keep, keep it high level? Keep it surface now level deep? for now. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. I say suck only because i there was a lot of potential in my eyes to go deeper into the concept. Okay. I mean, it kind of fizzled out and just kind of being a um I can get behind that. Uh, you know, just kinda of like a, a a murder sequence and I, I it it just I don't know, there was nothing to it after a certain point. Like leading up, I was like, Oh, this could be a really interesting concept because little did I, I this is something I just learned. The whole evil Superman trope is abundant in, you know, video games and, and TV shows today. You know, a lot of people point towards the boys um, or uh, in the Invincible series. You're like those are two easy ones to like point to in terms of like, you know, what if Superman was evil? Um, so in, in today's days, you know, in today's age, yeah, you've got perfect examples. But in 2019, when this movie came out up to that point, there was no other movie that had done the evil Superman trope. There's yeah. been other movies that have showcased like, you know, superheroes being morally gray or even like, you know, good guys being bad, whatever, you, you know, um, the, Watchmen. Uh, the Watchmen kick ass comes to mind. Uh, Hancock to a certain extent. Uh, Chronicle mm -hmm. uh, it was one is one of my uh, favorite movies that kind of fits that mold. But in terms of doing an evil Superman, like kind of like beat for beat, an evil Superman concept, no movie had done that prior to this point. So I do give them kudos for being a first if my homework is right this is kind of like the first live action evil superman portrayal we've seen and then and then you know obviously now it's not really a big thing because you know the boys as a homelander and you know invincible has like omni man um but so kudos to them for kind of breaking the mold and doing it first i just think that there's there was a lot more to explore in terms of like the themes and uh you know different you know uh metaphors and things like that so it doesn't it sucks a little bit, but it has a potential possibly. Yeah, to... that's what I'm saying. I, I think there's a good middle ground. Okay. But you know what? I'm here to either suck or fuck. All right. So <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, this movie Four really leaning towards suck. The, the fuck suck. It's, <laughs> okay. no, <I'm> 
Well, we do sometimes evaluate things as being a frigid fuck because it doesn't mm-hmm. suck or it's not not a frigid fuck, but just being frigid because it doesn't it, fuck or suck. It doesn't yeah, do yeah, anything. Yeah. So it's just frigid. So you can you okay. can give it that if you want. Yeah, I, I'm curious of what Jacqueline feels about this. Does Brightburn fuck or suck? Mm. So I'll tell you something. And Botter, I apologize <clears throat> in advance, but I did not have high expectations for this movie. I, I'll be honest with you, Hydraberg, when I saw this on the schedule, I was kind of like, Ugh. because I had heard of this movie. I had never seen it. But what I had heard about, the only kind of perception <clears throat> I had of it was... Oh, it's like a a superhero movie with some horror elements. That was kind of the impression that I got. And so, Botter, I'm sorry, but I have like probably never read a comic book in my life. (laughs) Uh, I'm not like knowledgeable about the MCU or like any kind of superhero. That's just not my genre. You know what I mean? Um, Nothing against them. It's just not something I know a lot about or have been exposed to much. I'm not like superheroes. It's just like not my thing. So um and so you're forgiven like, thank you <laughs> <laughs> i just like i like how you were apologizing to me in like the nicest like stepping on like glass way like look i appreciate you you're probably a good human being but i do not fuck with that nerd shit all right <laughs> no no i just i, I just fuck with I different it. nerd shit you know what i mean fair, yeah. fair, and fair. so um so i was totally expecting to hate this movie but mm-hmm. i think it is a goddamn fuck okay Whoa! It fucks. Oh, hey now, look, yeah. I'm already. I, I'm here for this. Right? I'm here for for conversation and, and and debate. All right, so I'm already. I'm already curious. Like, I, I want to hear the points that that you're that uh, pro fuck team is gonna make, and then uh, a suck folk are gonna make. <laughs> yeah, I really want to hear what you have to say too, because I have a feeling that we like approached this movie from sort of different viewpoints mm-hmm. and maybe wanted different things from it, and it sounds like. Hmm my desires were satisfied and yours were not so mm. okay fair enough what about you john what did you think well uh the first time i saw it i thought it was a fuck and i was like man this is kind of my jam even though um like jacqueline i i was in comic books when i was you know maybe 12 13 years old i, I just kind of got out of them i and i shouldn't have because they're wonderful they're pieces of art I, I believe however watching it this time i was like Man, you go back for that fuck and it, it disappoints because there's so many problems with it. And so I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence as well and say that this is a flaccid fuck, but still enjoyable. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. Damn it. I didn't know there was different levels of fuck. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely learning. That was. Gotta listen to the show about it. Come on. We've, de- I, we've developed these uh, shades right. of, of uh, nuance over the years. <laughs> I, like, I like a good nuance. Yeah, Jacqueline can't really sudden all the way. We always kind of go yeah. peer off the road a little bit. Okay. I don't want to be a control freak. <laughs> all right, so we're kind of like uh, we're evenly up split. We're, we're all split. over the map. It sounds like. Yeah, we are. Hydraberg. It sounds like you and I are kind of more on the same team on this one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. So, John, sure. you want to hit us with the spoiler warning so we can spoil it? Absolutely. Here's your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Brightburn from 2019 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, then come back to find out what we thought about it. Hell yeah. All right, Hydraberg, do you have a reach around plot summary for us? Oh, Jesus. Superhuman reach around. Ready for you? Don't tear it off. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, you ready? Yeah. The Briars were the perfect couple. To conceive a child, they had some trouble. Humans with their human struggles. From the sky, a flash of light, a meteorite, a miracle crashed that night. In their backyard, they heard a boom. 
a baby born outside the womb, a blessing with a hint of doom. Deliver it from within red light. Take it in and raise it right, and never speak again of this night. Ten years pass, he's twelve at last. He's summoned to a piece of his past. From out his eyes, lasers blast. Something inside him has now been opened. He is not the good boy his parents were hoping. Through murder and mayhem is how he is coping. As Tori and Kyle try to pick up the pieces, their son realizes he is the master species. Views humanity like stepping in feces. Humans are lost, they are inferior. But not Brendan Breyer, he is homo superior. The voice in his head, its motives ulterior. In Brendan's mind, identities swirl. Have fun in school and flirt with a girl. Or listen to the voice and take the world. Yeah. Damn. Please tell me you guys have a sound drop or sound effect that's just like air horns, uh, 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 you know, funk flex bombs. That bars. Come on, imperson master impersonator, you do some for us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Premiere bars. Uh, That's great. That was really fly. Can I say that that um, out of all of James Gunn's kind of lead movies, um, other than Slither, this felt like his his start of trauma because that's where he got his start. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, yeah. because because of the gore the way it was kind of like really outrageous it felt like that however obviously he had cgi he had a big budget with this but i mean it just felt like james gunn really kind of tapped into his roots of trauma well he, he didn't direct this no 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 no, no. i'm just saying that his, his brother wrote right but his influence from his start in <clears throat> trauma just really gave that kind of you know uh, almost campy type i see where you're going with that gore. john yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in Slither, right? With him when he did Slither. She was the um she was Michael Rooker's uh wife, I think, in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was. Yeah. And he shows up for a little bit part in this movie too. Yeah, in the very end. Yeah. Yeah. The Jim Evil, Jones. Always like this. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. <laughs> Jim Jones. Oh my god. No, that's a different psycho. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that is. Bowling. At the very beginning, like we get a loving couple, they're trying to conceive. We get a like a it's a very quick scene and then you know, insanely quick yeah so i don't really like that's part of the part of the movie that i think uh could have been done better like our introduction to the parents i don't like that the film just kind of flash forwards them raising the kid and i get it that like i just wish there was like moments where they we saw them walk down to the meteorite and have a discussion about this fucking baby they just found maybe just a little fucking quick- baby yeah, look at a fucking baby bro uh, <laughs> let, me ask, over here. let yeah. me ask this really quick uh, if let's say that you guys are in the respective parent role, right? Hydroberg and John, you guys are the dad, Jacqueline, you're the mom. Or, or you know, fuck it. You guys are just parents that come across that exact alien ship, and there's a little baby in there with glowing red eyes. Do you adopt the baby <laughs> as your own, or do you call the fucking authorities? Because that alien ship was the most that was warning sign number one. That was a terrifying that was dark fucking as hell. alien ship. Yeah, but you know, I, think, I think that thing had tentacles. I'm like, nah, I'm leaving that baby right yeah, what, where I found it. The thing in same, sp- same. What are those doing like mm-hmm. wrapped around him or something? But I, <laughs> yeah, I, that, I that's they, a problem with the movie. I mean, it's just like, oh, the stork brought us a yeah, exactly. It's like a heavy piece of machinery, and then here's a baby. All right, yeah, you know, for me. I, I that didn't bother me too much the the very sped up intro I kind of applauded mm. it because I, I guess maybe this is where having a little bit of like the the expectations from like comic books comes in because yeah. I wasn't here for having them to explain to me like the whole Superman thing I'm like all right I already I mean, know that story alien spaceship you know parents raise them you know blah 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 
I was really so that to me was was okay. I didn't, you know, I think going in knowing that this was supposed to be a you know evil Superman thing, you know, I already knew up to a certain point, you know, what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I will give credit to, um, even though I, I do agree, Hydroberg, maybe a little bit of time showing them progressing and raising this baby. I think you know they did it really quick with the um, old VHS tape montages. But regardless, even even though that was pretty quick. David Denham and Elizabeth Banks have such good chemistry together. Like I exactly. really, yeah. really bought them as like loving parents and like really loving uh, a Brandon. I, I did, I did find that believable. So even though they sped through that whole origin story pretty quick, I think they had good enough chemistry where it didn't bother me too much. It's like you know what? Yeah, these people probably would have raised a good kid. Right, and Bot- and Botter, I agree with exactly what you said. I mean, I love that montage of like uh, 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 it's subverted subverted expectations of what this child was going to be. You know, they rush through it, but you see him growing up. He's he's crawling. Oh my god, he's crawling! And it was just so sweet and innocent, and, well, and the fact that and normal, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And but so I, I oh, sorry, go ahead, Hyderberg. Well, I just thought it was uh, so. I am a comic book guy, and I know the origin of Superman, so I, I get it. Like. What to expect, but I do think it's a little bit of a detriment to the film that it sort of assumes its audience is going to know that. Hmm. Not yes, everybody sir. that goes to see this film might know the origin of Superman and f- fill in the gaps. I think most of us do, but I do think even I do. Yeah, okay, well then that's volumes. <laughs> uh, but I just think the reveal. I don't know. I would have just liked to see the reveal of the baby kind of in the no. pot. I, I definitely think there was room to let that breathe a little. I I, I am with you there, Hyderberg. I, I didn't mean it like you know um, some superiority thing. But it, it like it, but I did say, if you blinked, you would have missed it. You're like, yo, where did this baby come from? It did feel like they were ready to just get into it, you know, and not not build that emotional back. And I and I do think it was detrimental because by the time he turns, to me, there isn't an emotional connection like at all to feel kind of bad for this kid. Yeah, right. that's that's part of my complaint, Jack. And you were gonna say something? I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> no, I and I kind of I, I kind of disagree because it did feel like like this movie was rushed through. I think there's a lot of like a lot of the fluff that could have got cut out cut out of it and get, give a little more background on Brandon, maybe in flashbacks or something like that. Yeah, not, that's uh, exactly what I'm saying. Like something flush it out a little bit, right? But in, in the beginning <clears throat> part, you know, it just kind of really just. You know, it, it, it puts your mind going like, what the hell is going on right here? You know, this this loving couple. And like you said, the, the actors had such good chemistry. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden it was like, you know, did you feel that? Did you, like an earthquake or something in Kansas? Um, and then all of a sudden it cuts to black. And then you see, you know, these this cute little kid growing up and uh, uh, be, becoming a farmer like his dad. And it was it was great. And by the way. That little baby, that little toddler looked exactly like the 12 year old Brandon. Good casting. Hmm. Good baby casting. Oh my gosh. That was fantastic. I was just like, wait, and hold you, on. Did they, they film this for 10 years or something? Yeah. Really? Held off and filmed a little bit at a time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah exactly. Shout out to that baby caster. Yeah. <laughs> Did notice his name is Brendan Breyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic yeah. Marvel Comics trope of naming the characters using yeah, alliteration. letter for the first mm-hmm. and last name. Examples Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, Matt Murdock. Clark Kent. Well, yeah, but that's uh, CK. CK. It doesn't matter. Alliteration is the same sound. (laughs) Uh, Marvel's more like they do it more often. It was a big Marvel thing. Yeah. I don't know if it was just. Oh, I know that's DC, but I'm just saying that's like a superhero thing. I'm just talking with you. It is. Clark Kent is definitely one of them. Um, 
Yeah. So can I comment on what you guys were saying with the, sure. you know, the, the kind of early stage setting, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, usually I feel like I'm the one who's like, I want more exposition, but in this case, I actually felt like it was enough. I felt yeah. like we, like it, it gave us enough, um, you know, indirect clues as to, to let us know what we needed to know. Mm. But the story's not about his babyhood. The story's sure. not about his young childhood. I think it tells us just enough that we need to know before getting into the story that it actually wants to tell. And I think the reason that it works, because I could see how it could come off as rushed to mm. some people. Because um, later on in the movie, we do hear Elizabeth Banks say repeatedly like, oh, but he's such a sweet boy. He's always been such a sweet boy. We don't really get to see him be a sweet boy very much. Um, and so, you know, you you guys know me. I'm always like, don't tell me, show me. I need more showing. But in this case, I feel like the reason it works is because Elizabeth Banks and what's his name? Den De what's his first name? No, oh, uh, David Denham. Den Den David Denham, yeah. Um, I was like, Denny? But then his name wouldn't be Denny Denham. What's his name? Okay, so David Denham, I think he, I think the two of them really provide kind of the emotional core of this mm. movie. And they are so strong in their portrayal of their love for their child that even though Elizabeth Banks is just telling us that he's always been a sweet boy, because her acting is so strong, I feel it. And so it's a rare occasion for me that I don't need them to like show, I don't need them to dramatize that for me because I feel like the movie just wants to get into this story that it wants to tell. And maybe and, it's for us to kind of, once he turns, we can just easily be like, oh shit, yeah, he's just bad. Like, and we just, we just go with it, you know? Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I thought was interesting, because I didn't know how it was going to go when, you know, we we understand that like a ship has crashed and then we see the home movies and we understand, Oh, they've like taken in this child. That's not really their own. Um, I was kind of wondering to myself, is this going to be like an omen situation where like this whole time the kid knows that he's like, not the same as everybody else. And he's really evil all along, but he's pretending to be a nice, sweet child. Or is he genuinely a nice, sweet child who doesn't know what he is on the inside and he's going to find out. That's and so I love it's the way both. I thought it was both. I don't think he has awareness. I, I I think he thinks he's, you know, a human. I think he's I think he has no awareness that he's an alien or that he's like a different species or that he has any evil intention until he kind of hits that puberty mark. And yeah. like mm -hmm. when when stuff starts happening in the within the narrative. Yeah, because the there's something happened with his, you know, him turning 12 or whatever happened. The ship was, I feel like the ship possibly was calling to him a lot. Like as he's yeah. getting yeah, it possessed him at some point. Yeah, it was absolutely. Calling sort of, him. It sort of unleashes like another side of him that was dormant. You know what I mean? And it awakens. That's it. what I mean. I, that's what I mean. I think it's been dormant because he seems as shocked as anybody when he like is trying to like start that lawnmower and he's yanking the chain and he flings it across the field. He's like, Oh, the voice Ted tells him. Right. And in the Here, here's another question for you. Okay. If you knew, if you had an inkling, not even knew you had an inkling, you know, I, I'm pretty strong. I think I might be indestructible. <laughs> Is your first test going to be to put your hand in a running lawnmower? No, I don't even, but the voice you hear no. it in his ear. So like the, that noise is there. So I feel like that noise That's is fine. 
Heidelberg, what I'm getting at is I don't care if I knew I was bulletproof. You could have shot me and I could have handled the bullet. I'm still not putting my hand in a running lawnmower as the as the litmus test, you know? I think I'm gonna try something else, a little friendly. A little smaller uh, scale. Uh, I'm gonna try, try a paper cut. Let me try a paper cut first. <laughs> Let me try to see if I can kick this fence over or something or break yeah. through the wood or something. Fodder is yeah. risk averse. I mean yeah. later on they say like he's never been sick, he's never been cut, he's never bled. Uh some which I thought was a, which I thought was 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 a cool. Way. I, I like what Jacqueline said as far as um, you know indirect clues. You know them dropping uh, like remarks like that to make like your ears perk and fill in like the whole gap. When they said that, I was I that was a pretty cool moment where I was like, oh shit, this kid is. Oh, they've you know that's a cool way of also getting the point across of like how indestructibility is scary because it's like what if you're on the other side and you're trying to stop said indestructible person. And you as a parent, you know, I've never seen your kid cry or, or, you know, you don't even know his weakness and you're his parent. You're like, damn, I haven't even seen this kid cry once. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And he you see also he's like highly intelligent. He's above everybody in, in his class in school and he's mm-hmm. kind of bullied by it. Um, yeah. You know, he's just like an average kid, except for, you know, his intelligence and stuff like that. But everything else is sort of average about him, it seems at first. And yeah. We see on that symbol on his notebook, which seems like at first a little weird, like it could be obsessive. But then I thought like, Fucking, we all drew on our notebook. We all did that S thing, you know. With <laughs> yeah. The- yeah. I was just about to say, yeah. But he drew the dollar that sign S. Hell yeah. What? We're all drawing it at the same. I, I'm just, I'm just curious if this was like a social commentary on going to teenage years because oh you think you, ha- you, you think you have like super strength and stuff like that. It was just like a, a social commentary on that. John, it, but I- everybody. Coming of eight. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, John. I love that you said that because I literally have a note that says, "Is this movie a metaphor r- for raising a teenager?" Question <laughs> mark. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Oh, oh, and Jacqueline, Jacqueline, <laughs> go ahead. The only parent. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Bonner. No, no, I'm not, I'm not. All right, all right. Go ahead, Jacqueline. She she needs to speak on this. Well, so I have a lot of thoughts, um, and I I actually think there could be a lot of metaphors happening in this movie, and. I think this is just one of them, but Hmm. I also wrote a note that I think this could be a movie about the anxiety of parenting, especially an adolescent. Hmm. Um, I've spent a lot of time in my life working with adolescents and, um, and, and I'm also a parent. I'm, my kids aren't adolescent age yet. Got to gear up more for that to like prepare myself. But um, I think that in a lot of ways, this, this film is drawing parallels between this, like, newfound strength and newfound kind of um purpose hmm. and the very disorienting and sometimes frightening on both sides process of a child becoming an adult i think yeah. it's scary for the child and i think it's really scary for the parents because they've lost control wow. like the parents don't have the control anymore and like the parents in this movie literally cannot control their child like he's literally stronger than them um, and I think that that is to me, that seems like a really obvious metaphor for the like the gradual loss that you go through as a parent as your child is growing up. Um, and I mean, like your child can seem like an alien sometimes like this is a different person. I mean, my kids aren't that age yet, but I know so many parents who are like, oh, my gosh, like I didn't know who this person was anymore in my house. Hmm. You know, this this person who used to be a sweet, loving child now won't speak to me, like doesn't participate in the family. Like, I don't know what this I don't know what he or she likes anymore. I don't understand what he's into. And I mean, it's just like that's very disorienting. 
I mean, it's also disorienting for the child, though. You're trying to craft an identity, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably tough for um, Elizabeth Banks' character, too, Tori, because she's like, she's the cool mom. We see her like she paints. She's, you know, wears the Ramones T-shirt. She's got purple streaks in her hair. Even the girl at school, at first, I noticed that it seems like he likes has a purple yeah. streak in her hair, too. I was like, oh, OK. At first, when I first saw this film, I'm like, oh, maybe there'll be like a little thing here where she, you know, this this girl is be like his girlfriend. She could talk him down when he starts getting, you know, mad or angry or changing. Yeah. And but, not only that, but the, but the mom also came from like it, it sounded like a family that didn't really care about her, right? Like yeah. she tells um, yeah. uh, Kyle that the, the dad, you know, I let's never let's never let let's never have Brandon think he isn't. Damn! How did she say it? it was never she make says, him feel like, like shit. They, they've given like up. they given up on me by that point. We can never do that to Brandon. Yeah. he has to know we give a shit. There we go. That's what she said. Well said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah, and I. But I also feel like this could be more specifically about the anxieties of like adoption. I was an adopted child. Sure. Um, and there, there's like a whole complicated story there. But uh, I feel like you know among adoptive parents there's sometimes this like anxiety or people who are thinking about adoption there Hmm. seems to be a hesitation because like it's kind of the same syndrome as like adopting a pet from the shelter right like you don't know this this being's history and like you don't really know what you're getting you know what i mean Hmm. especially like the older it is so in this case this was just a little baby but still i think there's kind of this anxiety around like taking in a child that's not yours what have they been exposed to up to this point you don't have any control over their genetics you know and like you know to at least a partial degree that's going to determine what kind of a person this is you know people can argue about how much that is but i think that's a very common anxiety with adoptive parents and like what is this who is this child going to grow up to be? And are they going to reflect our values and our kind of family culture? Or is there going to be something in them that is irreversible that no matter what their outside nurturing influences are, that that's going to come out, you know? And so I think, I think this, you know, I don't know if it was deliberately a commentary on that, but as an adopted child, I definitely read it that way. That is really good insight, Jacqueline. That was like beautifully said. I, I did not come at it from that angle. But I almost feel like we're giving them way too much credit. <laughs> Maybe so. All right. That is like really deep. And and I'm glad like you got I didn't even think from that perspective. Thank you for sharing that. But I definitely oh. feel we'd be giving them a reach. <laughs> <laughs> like they wanted all that to come across. I mean, there well, isn't it, and, and they, but they also decided to hide everything from him. <laughs> you know, they hid the the spaceship. You know, really? why wouldn't you that's not entirely true. They hid the spaceship from him. But they never hid the fact that he was adopted. Yeah. Which I think is a real, that's like a hot issue with like adoptive families is like, are you going to, how are you going to tell your kid? And when are you going to tell the kid? Like some parents keep it a secret for the kid's whole life, which is really like fucked up. But they told us like, oh, hey, uh, uh, we just happened. We got a good deal on this baby. (laughs) (laughs) This fucking baby. (laughs) Had to strike when the iron was hot. Got it all. and Butter, I wasn't necessarily saying that like that that they deliberately injected that into the story, but I think it's something that kind of naturally develops in this story that happens to be about a child that is, you know, adopted by this couple. Yeah. So I just think it kind of naturally unfolded. So that's all I was I saying. I mean, I think that does come no, out. You, you gave it a, you gave it an extra layer for sure. You gave it an extra layer. I, I did not give it. So yeah, I give you that. Because at the end of the story, at the end of the day, he has no connections to this world once he turns, right? And he even but- it severs those connections to his parent, his adoptive parents also. 
But he doesn't have any connection to this alien thing, neither. And I think that's what's missing for, for me personally, is that the turn didn't make sense. You have no well, like, idea what... Her, come again? Felt he lacked. Like, it was giving him purpose or, like, f- fulfilling his identity that maybe but he had, might have had questions about. But they didn't explore that, like, as a child, yeah. teenager. They didn't really show him, like, pondering something or as long you know he seemed pretty happy where he was with his family and yeah so it's like so so for me it's like where does this rage uh and this bloodlust come from i get that he was he was bullied um or or they tried to portray that like even though in my honest opinion hey look bullying is bullying but the way he was bullied i was like i could definitely take that i was bullied a lot as a kid i was like i could have taken these whack-ass uh jokes from this one kid but that's neither here nor there (laughs) For me, it, it that disconnect between him not having any connection to this alien race, other than, you know, what I'm saying, it was like they also rushed that progression. And I kind of mm-hmm. wish that there was a little bit of a, 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 a of a of a, um, like a moral push- dilemma, a moral dilemma, a little bit. I, I get that he's a kid and he doesn't have that much life experience, but just a little bit of a moral dilemma of him, like absolutely going for take over the world. And let's be real, he, he really just kind of terrorized like a 10-mile square, you know, like a 10-mile <laughs> radius. He you didn't gotta, really take over the world. Well, you you got to start small. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think they they told and not showed. I mean, and, and again, like, I didn't get that Brandon was really bullied. And as soon as he got that that 12-year-old, you know, uh, the preteen just starting to get hormones and starting to rebel against his parents, you know, th- there was actually this beautiful shot where he was walking through the rain and he's trying to figure out what – what this voice inside his head, the aliens are trying to tell him. And he's like, take, 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 take over, take over the world. You know, and it was just like, I, I thought that was beautifully done. But again, it was kind of rushed. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a little more explanation that needs to happen here. Yes. You know, give yeah. a little more. I, I'm not saying bullying's good, but like, show it. Yeah, like, show me a little bit more of that. Yeah, or maybe yeah. show me him like interacting with the barn a little bit more. Like we get the yeah. warning in the beginning, like barns sure, don't yeah. go in there. You can catch a splinter or a rusty nail, and it's like <laughs> that's kind of a lame. Experience. Not gonna yeah. go in the barn all his life. Like mm-hmm. I feel like he was. Well, well even yeah, even Elizabeth Banks is like playing the game with them, the whistle game. You know. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, I needed. I guess back. I needed just like, maybe a little more motivation to go full. Bright burn, you know, like it to me, it happened uh, fairly quick, and I wish there was a little more motivation or justification there for him that. wanting to, to to take the world. You know, like what was the 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 plan of action? Because he keeps telling, you know, um, he ends up killing his, I think, his uncle, and then mm-hmm. uh, his crush's mom, or mm-hmm. yeah, his crush's yeah. mom, and he keeps telling them, like, you know, it seemed like he had a plan, which was, hey, my parents can't find out, and I wish they could have went into a little bit more of that motivation. Like, what was the plan? Why, you know, why? Show him yeah. struggling a bit more, uh, like you said. Yeah, yeah. His morals uh, and well, they show a little bit with his crush. You know, he's he's playing this song. He keeps flipping up the laptop and playing this song. So he he gives that. Kind I think of, that was an Elvis uh, song. Like it, like it. Elvis yeah. Billy or was it? What was the other Elvis movie? Uh, Billy Brightburn. Oh, Rocky Horror. Oh, you got to do <laughs> Elvis as Frankenfurter, please. Uh, uh, I'm just a sweet transvestite. <laughs> transsexual Transylvania. So I love it. Thank you for I do fulfilling like that. my wishes, boys. I like that scene. Jacqueline, you described this movie earlier as you anticipated it being like a superhero film with some horror in it. And it's more like a horror movie with some super hmm. stuff yeah. 
I think, I think that's why I liked it so much. Stuff. Yeah, like that scene was kind of tense where he's in her room and he means well, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. He thinks he does, but he misunderstood what his yeah. dad. Yeah. Like, okay. To- <laughs> think he, about it now. Yeah. Like, Awkward. Yeah, he does say he, he he does say right now. Right and now. He's, and he's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah, like, no, that was such an awkward scene. But um yeah. <laughs> takes that the wrong way. And but we, that reveals a lot, right? It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it reveals it a lot. Materials, yeah. whatever he's got going on there. It's weird. It's like organs and then some Victoria's secrets, some sexual He doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's supposed to find um exciting. Yeah. I guess and... the feeling to both sides of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think he's trying to figure out how to act like a, a human, human grown up yeah. or a human adolescent. And if I could go back just a little bit, I'd, I'd like to add a little commentary because you guys were sort of questioning the way that they portray Brandon's transformation and like the motivation behind it and kind of the lack of, you know, warning or lack of moral questioning, I guess. And I guess I just made a very strong association between this turn in his character and the fact that he's just had his 12th 12th birthday like Mm -hmm. this is a major turning point it's like clearly kind of the onset of puberty this is a very typical age for that i actually felt a really strong parallel with carrie um and her telekinetic powers and how the she's always kind of had a little hint of it here and there like i don't know if you ever read the book like that's more that's described more in the book than the movie but um in the book, it's like there's hints of it here and there, but it really goes full blown with the onset of her period. Mm-hmm. And so that's like she's becoming like an adult now. She's becoming her own person. And this is the time for her to like figure out how she's going to like use her powers. And she's like coming into her full power. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is the same thing. This is a parallel with that. And so I, to me, that was such a strong association like this is the onset of him becoming an adult and butter i think it was you you were talking about like this is a typical time for rebellion against your parents like you kind of become a monster around this age anyway and there's no rhyme or reason to it there's no explanation like your parents Hmm. didn't suddenly become horrible people and i think that's what's so baffling to parents is like we didn't do anything we haven't changed we're still parenting you and loving you like always but all of a sudden it's the switch has flipped in you and you hate us you're embarrassed by us you don't want our input anymore you just want your friends input you're obsessed with creating your new identity now and i feel like that's really what's happening here i think so i didn't need and i didn't need more explanation than that but there's a lot of rushed scenes through this you know it's just like all of a sudden elizabeth banks finds you know finds the book i know exactly where the book is i know exactly where he put it oh it's in his backpack so you know i figured okay, out that, that 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 he's like this um jacqueline i agree i i thought that scene at the um i guess it was just like a like a family restaurant where they brought him a sunday and stuff like that and then the uncle brings out a gun i mean the gun doesn't really come into play until Later in the movie, I don't want to reveal too much until we get. We to already that. dropped the spoilers. All right. True. All right. All right. So, so to me, like the gore was so well done uh, throughout this entire movie, even though most of it was CGI. But it was like, give me more of that. I mean, give me more of that story of of like little things. You know, maybe he's he's shooting lasers out of his eyes at a grasshopper or something like that. Like nothing against <laughs> don't, don't don't kill animals. Testing his powers. Um, the grasshopper defenders will be up in, up in arms again. <laughs> yeah, Peta Peta is going to ban us, and we're going to become millionaires. By the way, um, hey, I, 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 I'm just saying that that give us 
more of this kind of buildup that like those little things, you know, he's walking to school or something like that. And he sees a, a squirrel and he lifts it up and yeah, that would be the chickens. The or he, he does kill the chickens. He does, but I mean, you don't really see that. I mean, it's just it, it, it jumps too much. It, it's we, got way too much. Like, like, okay, go here, go here, go. And it feels rushed. It feels like there's an extension of this movie that could really bring everything together, but it just feels so jumbled. I like the. I'm, bird. I'm really surprised that you feel that way. Sorry, go ahead, Hydra. Um, because it's one of the moments where he first throws like a little bit of a fit, like he lets the thing get the best of him. Yeah. Pounds, you know, he wants the gun. His dad has to, like, you know, be a dad and fucking discipline him. But he can't. He, when he hits the table, we see the everything flashes in the background. I love that. I fucking mm. love that scene. Right. And other people yeah. start noticing. That's when yeah. Kate's mom notices, like, the waitress. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with that kid? And the dad tries to, like, pick him up to leave. We're leaving now. And he can't move his own son, which he never mentions. Yeah. But he, you can yeah. tell, like, he's like, what the fuck's going on? Everybody's sort of like, what the hell is going on here? And then they finally convince him to leave. And it's just like an interesting scene where you're just like, well, what what the fuck's like the parents had to have have a talk after that. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on with this kid? They don't even recognize him, like you said. And it's like living in the house with an alien or a monster. Um, You just don't know the kid at this point, even though you raise them. You just don't know who Mm -hmm. he is. And then I could see the adoption thread being a factor, too. I could definitely see that. Like, are we losing him? You know, he's not ours to begin with, you know, but uh you know, we took him in like, you know, we have every right to parent him the way we want. But at the same time, it's like, well, he, you know, he's not of Earth. And we know this at some point they had to have the talk like it's going to come to light. Some, you know, he's not normal. So I guess they were just crossing their fingers that nobody ever noticed that he had like a triple nipple or something like that. <laughs> you know, what? I, I, I do got to say that I love the character of Matt Jones as the uncle. Yeah. Oh, my and God. I love him. Hydraberg, by the way, Breaking Bad. Come on, oh. Badger. Yo, yes. Hey, I'm a huge yes. Breaking Bad fan. Yeah. Oh, Jacqueline. All yes. Right, <laughs> El Camino, Better Call Saul, all of it. Mm. But uh, yeah. yeah, you sort of feel like he falls under a trance state at first with, with some of these outbursts. Like he's not all there, like he's out of the driver's seat for a minute and then he's back. Well, I yeah, I mean, if we if we consider that he's being like communicated with by this like voice from the other world, I mean, yeah, I think there are parts where he's not like fully in control of himself. Like he's eating right. like a normal breakfast and then starts zoning out the next scene, which I like the way they cut to his head and you hear like a little bit of a crunch. And there's a suspenseful moment of mom's like or dad's like, dude, are you all right? And you like you see the back of his head. You're like, what the fuck are we about to see? And it's just him chewing on a fork, but it's still like, ooh. First of all, chewing on metal was just like gross. Yo, yeah, that was that was insane. Can I also say that his dad, for the record, ate that punch like it was nothing when uh, <laughs> when he accidentally punches him into like the cabinet or whatever. Yeah, his dad just like got back up like like I was like that's a dad right there. You know, yeah. I, I I can recall only one time in my life where I had the audacity to maybe like move my arms in the direction of my dad. And sure enough, he ate that shit and let me know what you know what time it was. Yeah. Um, but the way his dad ate that, I thought that was real. I was like, damn, even his dad might have a little bit of super strength himself. Like obliterated mm-hmm. that yeah. China cabinet thing. Yeah, it was like Bruce Campbell stuff. Yo, it was, yes, it was a whole John. New room. Yes, it was like an expansion construction project. <laughs> like, you know what? We're gonna me. knock this wall down and really get it airy. Do that anyway. Thanks, you helped me out. We want a more open floor plan. Yeah, you know what? 
the, the more I think about this movie from the lens of, of what, uh, what Jacqueline proposed about this being, you know, uh, about the ties to puberty, some of those metaphors there, I, I will admit it, it gives some sensibility to some of the action in it. I, I guess, uh, and it makes me realize some of my bias coming into this because a part of me remembers watching this in th the trailer in theaters and I wanted to go see this. I was like, oh, cool, an evil Superman movie. Like, you know, James Gunn is directing it or not directing it. He's he produced this first. Um, yeah. You know, James Gunn is involved. I wanted to go see this. And it was one of those movies that I just, you know, I, I didn't make a priority. It so watching it for the first time today, I think. And, you know, last I was telling Hyderberg, I kind of did my homework in the opposite way. I researched the movie, you know, looked up some articles about evil Superman, that whole trope and, you know, where it comes from. And then I watched the movie today. So I kind of did the homework first before watching the movie. So I think I was going to this movie thinking about why, like, why is the appeal of evil Superman such a thing? Like, why is it now such like a trope? And I think, and a couple of comic series come to mind, like Superman Red Sun is about what if Superman's ship crash landed in um, Soviet Russia and he's raised by like Russians and he becomes like the Kremlin of Russia and he spreads communism to the world and et cetera, et cetera. And there's another one where it's called like Superman Dark Side or something where he's instead of crash landing Earth, he's crash lands on Apocalypse and he becomes Dark Side's child. So all of these stories and they're really good stories because they they play with the their commentaries on like, you know, nature versus nurture. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, what happens when you place a child in this scene, you know, or this scenario with these people and these influences around them. And I think I was going to that movie into this movie with that mindset of like, why? Like, why? Where's the nature versus nurture argument here? Or how are they going to tackle that here? And I don't think I got that. And and yeah, so I will say there is a little bit of that bias and my own expectations going in. And even but but even those aside, it, it didn't give me a hook. And I think that's what I'm gonna keep returning to is like, I would have loved to see him having some sort of internal struggle, or them kind of like, really breaking down like, you know, the 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 um the nurture aspect, like, you know, he comes from a loving family. And then all of a sudden, it's like, rage, rage, rage. But that's what I'm saying. If I look at it with Jacqueline's lens, it's like, yeah, well, puberty, there is no really rhyme or reason. It's but if right. I'm looking at it strictly for, for, for like, you know, from my point of view, that is where it's, it's lacking. And, and, I, and I'm trying to like, you know, figure out, if it, you know, how much of it is my bias or how much of it is it like, you know, just a mistake on, on their part that there was a deeper story that they could really dive into. And Potter, I, I agree with you because I, I'm going to go back to what you said about the, the opening sequence of just like that eight millimeter film of him. That's all nurture right there. They're, they're not, abusive they're oh my gosh you're just gonna be like daddy a you know great farmer and you know he's got his little a crane thing and he's digging up sand and he's doing this you know it's just this really cute thing where it's like you know he's not being you know he's not being pushed to the dark side however right there's something inside him yeah, yeah it's interesting so mm -hmm. go ahead jack so that's what i was gonna say so just to play the devil's advocate a little bit here bother in response to what you were saying it's like first well, two, two things really um john you're exactly right like he receives a really positive external influence in his environment growing up and yet it still ends up this way so i would actually argue bother that you know i feel like we 
they do give us an answer. Like they do make a statement about nature versus versus nurture. He was given the best nurturing, you know, some of the, well, you know, maybe not the best, but like he was given good, positive mm-hmm. nurturing. And yet what finally wins out like 100% in the end is his nature. And, huh. and I, you know, I'm inclined to agree with you about the lack of internal struggle. Like I always think that's more interesting in almost any story when you have a character who is having some kind of moral dilemma, some kind of internal conflict, like that's just good drama, right? Um, But in this case, the fact that that is lacking for the most part, I think that in itself reveals something to us about his Hmm. character, like the, the lack of internal struggle. I don't know that that's like an oversight by the writers. I think that's meant to reveal something yeah i i I guess how i vision is like they had the opportunity to they're like hey look we're either going to tell a deeper introspective story or we're going to use this as a vehicle to show really cool you know bloody horror you know gory (laughs) scenes of what an evil superman looks and i I, and i and i think that's where i what i meant when i said i think we're giving them almost too much credit because to me (laughs) it almost feels like the latter where they're like oh shit no one's done an evil superman movie and you know, let's make it bloody. Let's make it rated R. Let's like we've got a, a vehicle to tell a horror story. And a part of me is like, damn, I, you guys had like this whole other story being the first ones to do this uh, in live action. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. It's probably that's how they they created it, kind of with the idea first of just like, wouldn't it be cool to do Dark Superman? And I'm then- almost I, I'm of the mindset that. I'm not saying- I wonder if James Gunn, how much he did work on any of the script. I know that his brother and his uh, cousin wrote the script and he directed it. But a part of me thinks if James Gunn would have been more involved with the the script, he would have probably given us a lot more of that. Because that is one thing I will say about his superhero stuff is he taps into the heartstrings. Those those ethos, those pathos, and, and all of that. Like Guardian films can, do that really well. Yeah, he's able to like really hone in on, on the emotional uh, uh, drama uh, as well as like the gore and the violence and, and, and all the action. I thought this one was, was definitely like... Him coming back to his uh, uh um tra- uh what is it trauma core I'm sorry trauma 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 trauma, trauma yeah yeah Oops. no I and like if you've ever seen uh the peacemaker you know what mm-hmm. what uh, you know James Gunn has a more of a um I, I I guess a you know to be able to paint his picture that he wants to do because it gets darker and darker throughout the show and it's just like like if he had a little more time if he had a little more input I I think. Uh, with the gore, because it's one of my favorite things in the movie. I I, I wanted to see a little bit more, just a, a, a scotch more. And it was like, it was so beautifully done, even though it was CGI. It was just like, if you had a little more canvas to paint on, this really could have been like a freaking blockbuster, awesome movie that people would watch over and over again. Whether Jacqueline, whether you're a comic book fan or not, um, you know, Botter... It, it just it would appeal to a mass of people, and this thing would have been awesome. But if we had a little more canvas to paint on, it was it, it could have been better. I did like the gore. It was one of the things that surprised me the most when I saw the film for the first time. The mm-hmm. brutality of it, I was like, "Oh shit!" They're not straying away from this, even though it's based on like Superman. They're really mm-hmm. going at like what what would could somebody do if they were capable of, you know, this type of strength and they weren't even trained in it. You know, he's just a young kid learning what he can do. Yeah. I do like the nature versus nurture earlier. Uh, We already spoke on it, but I do like, like with Superman, 
he had he could have been this kid like he could have turned into this kid it was i guess they kind of hammer it home with his character with like the way he's raised by jonathan and martha kent right he's just raised by like these awesome people that just take him in and never really doubt him as you know their son i wonder maybe in this relationship if tori and um what's his name kyle maybe they showed a little bit of doubt in the back of their minds that showed to uh, their son a little bit once in a while, and he he was able to pick up on it. I don't know. You don't really get that from the beginning, but we don't spend. But enough. isn't that a little more realistic? Because when the dad, you know, takes him out to hunt and realizes who he is, that's the first thing he tries to do is like, uh, we got to l- eliminate this child. Man, well, yeah, the was, dad. He was ready to go whole hog on that. Like, oh, you gotta be damn sure. It, it, I, and one thing. I'm like wait a minute you're just going to let him take your son hunting the same day that he's like we got to do something about like you know what i'm saying i'm like you're yeah, gonna question this a little bit um yeah. i don't know. You know as my problems aside of like you know the potential of the story you know because i gotta just take it face value it, yeah there was potential in my eyes to tell a bigger story but at face value i do think it is a good deconstruction film even though we've had so many superhero deconstruction things of like, hey, you know, this is what real heroes would be like. They'd be gray. They wouldn't be, you know, so black and white. Um, but I, I do think this is a good deconstruction of that Superman. And and the 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 horror and gory elements really grounded it. Cause it got me thinking, like, yeah, if if a super if a kid in this setting would probably be just like this kid. And and how scary would that be to have like a teenager not only on like puberty, but also superpowers yeah, running then, amok and no, having the ability. You. you know what I'm saying? That's like, that's horrifying. Like everything he did was like all the edge lord shit that we've all, you know, as as teenage boys have thought about. Like all that, like just. And the power yeah. to do that, you know, uh, it corrupted him morally be, and the voice inside of his head, obviously. His mask also was pretty fucking freaky. I thought that, that was a pretty awesome. interesting mask. Yeah. yeah. His costume's weird. He's compelled to like create it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do. It is weird. I love I that. Like that they went the mask. I think part of that's to distinguish him, like from Superman. So it's like Superman doesn't wear a mask. This character mm. does, so we don't draw that parallel of like mm-hmm. too much well, like Superman. But it's also yeah. like said with the red eyes and it looks alien, like the way it's sewn together. It almost looks like the helmet that the um, engineers wear in Prometheus or an alien. Yeah, where okay. like this tube almost like coming down, like as if it was a breather or something like that. I have a morsel to... of trivia about that, actually. Oh, go ahead. Anna uh, did it for him. Sorry? I said it, his Nana knitted it for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it was designed to look sort of wasp-like. Mm. There's huh, a, that's why a he moment. says that scene in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So there's a moment early on where he kind of reveals what, the, what he comes from, um, huh. maybe unknowingly, but he talks about how, oh, what's the difference between a wasp and a bee? And a bee. And he says, well, the wasp is a predator. Yeah. And bees are pollinators. So one is constructive, one is destructive, right? Hmm. And he says, and the this species of wasp will is very aggressive and will um, push it. its young off onto other species or other animals and force them oh, to Oh, wow. Yeah. That did not. So I feel like that's. Basically, anytime yeah. there's a classroom scene for in a sure, horror for movie, sure. they're right. telling you a theme and, somehow. And I, <laughs> I knew that was of importance. For some reason, I thought it was going to come back in the end. But yeah, wow. Huh. So he's telling us in that moment who he is. And so the mask was designed to look this really, sort of wasp-like or insect-like. 
Who cool. said was it was it Heidelberg or was it Jacqueline that said this is a horror movie that just has a little bit? Uh, you know, it's like the Lacroix of Lacroix of uh, <laughs> uh, of a horror, of superhero horror movies. Just the it's a horror movie. Whisper. Yeah, just a faint <laughs> whisper of some superhero shit. Yeah, damn, that's no. a really good point it's, about it, the fucking wasp. Tonight too, we find out when he's summoned to the ship and he actually unveils the ship mm-hmm. and he hovers in the air and mom finds him there and he's like talking that weird language. She. Yeah. When she comes around the corner, it like awakens him, he falls or whatever, and he hits himself. He cuts his hand, yeah. Yeah. Which, that, by the way, this I, is one weakness. I, I yeah. do enjoy that they subverted my expectation, at least, of him being killed by his mom. And instead, like, you know, he ends up living and, and terrorizing the rest of the world. But yeah. I will say, they way, the way they, they uh, killed off my girl Elizabeth Banks with that terrible cgi fall that shit was oh. terrible <laughs> i thought she was in a i thought she was in a a, 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 a paramore music video or something yeah. <laughs> you know what i said no, that's evanescence funny. bring me to life yes there, thank you thank you it looked like an evanescence music hit video. The too. In early 2000s like emo <laughs> wake me up and shut <laughs> Wait, man and and john you mentioned like how cutty it is and I, the the scene that comes oh, to mind when i think how yeah that's a weird phrase but um, the the editing at the end where he like stares at the plane, I, mm-hmm. it took me I won't lie it took me a minute to like put everything together and and I do kind of appreciate the fact that you know they're not showing you every scene by scene by scene thing even though it, sometimes it does hinder it I do appreciate that there is a le- level of like um expert you know uh, intelligence that they're they're granting the audience together like he's, yeah I agree with that as an opportunity to cover up his crime. There yeah, be- you're right. He he. He's by not- the end, his cunningness really does show. Because I think, yeah. uh, uh, John, you mentioned him being cunning, and a part of me was like, eh, he wasn't that smart. But yeah, by the end, you're like, damn, this dude will fucking kill a whole airplane full of people to cover his tracks. I, you know, I like, think, yeah, I think his big turn is when his dad takes him out, doesn't realize, and maybe he does realize that he's going to shoot him. But like when he actually shoots him in the head, he turns oof. around, he has this like really sad look on his face. Like, come on. And and, and then the dad goes, I'm sorry. And he starts running. (laughs) And then we have this terrible CGI like laser through the head. Yeah, that was pretty good. I was like, all right. I mean, how do you do, how do you do lasers through the head practically, John? Like you got to do. I'm just I'm saying there could have been a little <laughs> some silly string, like there. attach it to my. You would have no. Or you you could have seen seen him do a little bit and like blood <laughs> it, blood tears are coming oh, down his fair. eyes and then he goes Implying like, it and just like we already like, got some nice oh, blood tears Boom, with uh, the right. diner lady with the glass and the eyeball by the way that was a yeah. oh my god so that's amazing. and then you could see her in her perspective and see like that oh, kind of yeah. that's where they blood. spent that's where they spent all of the practical <laughs> effect like, money. And the job <laughs> business you know oh that was pretty insane yeah. can but i say uh i had a great idea for a low budget a low budget film portraying um, laser beams through the eyes. All right, this is how I would do it with a shoestring budget. Okay, I would get some red cherry frozen pops, freeze them in. The- <laughs> I like this already. Adam, <laughs> I'd get them nice and frozen, and I'd go in and tape them to my face. All right, where my eyes would be, two red laser beams right there. Yeah. Happy and paid. Some fat laser beams. Damn. <laughs> It's like, all right, pretend like it's really hot, but it's really cold, okay? <laughs> He's like, burr. I mean, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> They're melting ouch. on the camera. It was like, all right, It's guys, blood, it's on. blood. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. yeah, it's a two for one. I did Dad's dream, too, where we see the... Diabetes. Oh, that was crazy. All the black ooze is, like, coming out of her and the, her face and her eyes go dead. But I'd like to touch back on when he does, like, turn with the dad. 
because I think at this moment he's been struggling. He's leaning more and more towards the dark at this moment. He's doing things mm-hmm. where nobody's aware of what he's been doing. You know, he kills his uncle. Uh, he mm-hmm. threatens, kind of threatens his, he's going to kill his aunt too. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so I think once the dad shoots him, that's like, those were the two humans he was still holding on hope for kind of like I, he knows that they're not his parents, but they raised him and he has the love for them. But then once, once dad shoots him, you know, he loses that and he's already starting to lose it with dad. But then mom's like the final stroke because he does love mom the most. You could tell like him and mom have a really good relationship. And then eventually, you know, she tries to kill him too. And then he, yeah, but it's, it's the jump again, Carrie style. Yeah. And it's the jump scene of the sheriff coming in. It's like, well, I found this symbol. Take a look at that. And then all of a sudden mom goes, all right. Oh yeah. He's been writing that down. And how on the nose was that? Looks like two B's to me might stand for Brandon Breyer. I was like, get this shit out of here. All right, they just police work. That's so obviously two B's. Good police work right there, bro. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's obvious. Like, I love which which, by the way. Like, have you ever seen a logo before? I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Which, by the way, brings it back to what you said, Jacqueline, about or Hyderberg. Whoever said that. You know, you could take a look at any one of our notebooks from middle school and it'd be like, yeah, you, you're telegraphing how psychotic you are. <laughs> I like the subversion, too, of like the sheriff shows up at the house to help mom. And they're like her, him and the deputy, him and the, his deputy are like stepping up on the porch. And, you know, Brennan's out there somewhere. And I, I'm expecting the deputy to buy it right away. And they do. They killed the sheriff right away instead, like just obliterate him. Obliterate. Yeah, that was the word I used to. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, he obliterates him. That was trauma shit right there. That I mean, just like being splattered all over. That's fucking scared shitless. And her death was pretty I know it was CGI, but it was fucking gnarly the way you see him in the background, just like slamming her head into the walls and then just like throws her. The blood is like pouring out of her head. It's like lore. It's there wasn't like a, a good I don't know, an interesting blend of um Longer. like horror horror vibes. It was like, you know, hmm. the, the very obvious like um uh high octane violent like the glass scene comes to mind, like the way he was killing everyone. But the part that really threw me for a loop is when the mom is back in the spaceship and she finds his first victim, Erica, uh the the girl's mom. Uh, and yeah. like she's she's opened up. It gave me like real occult um yeah. horror vibes because mm. of all the vibings too that he's doing like those signs like they're very blair witch or cult like <laughs> yeah and, and the way she was positioned towards the the spaceship, spaceship yeah, like that, a... yeah that's that's interesting all right like, i never thought about that something you know we're doing something with it like it was, it, it was almost like a sacrifice but yeah, at the same yeah. time you also know that he's you know based on those those pictures that they find underneath his bed like yeah he's probably looking at the inside of her guts like literally like to like study them he's never seen a human inside out that's a good point actually i didn't really think of that but that makes perfect sense (laughs) because at this point he looks down on us he knows that he's superior and he has a god complex at this point in the movie and i think a little bit and isn't that just like a freaking adolescent yeah and we're indestructible when we're adolescents right so and I think having a little more, uh, maybe a, a, just a few more scenes of him being awkward or, or having problems like interacting. Because for the most part, you're led to believe he, he's he's got a pretty decent upbringing. He's got two loving family. He's in a very small town. Uh, it feels like everyone knows each other's business. He's he's awkward, sure. And he gets bullied. But I would have really liked to see like him struggling. Show me more being... scenes of the lawnmower scene where he, it's coming into his everyday life and 
every once in a while his powers are doing something where he's like yeah like you said he's dealing with the bullies now because yeah. of or like something else in his life and you know what i mean he was like so average it's, th that's why to me i'm i'm I, and I apologize for sounding like a broken record. I'm still harping on like the change just wasn't by then. I, it just wasn't believable to me because I was like, damn, he's got you're just he's so normal, so human. Like I, I would have liked to see a little more of him, like really being an outsider and how the appeal of like embracing. Yeah, I'm superior. I'm that's why I've always been awkward and weird. I'm better than you would have been a little more believable. Yeah, I yeah I, I, like like to me, it's almost like they could have cut out the whole scene with the with the little girl of of like doing the laptop thing. But the little girl's always creeped out by him, you I know, and then actually you like that. I think yeah, it's I good. Like, it was 10, uh, but like no. it was like a natural thing for the girl. She yeah. didn't know. Especially on. coming off that scene with his dad where like, you know, like you get a sense of like, OK, he doesn't take. Uh -huh. Some regular people shit ain't clicking with him, you know. And also, it's showing him like flexing his power. He's learning his powers, like, and we're kind of learning them too. We're like, can he move super fast? Like, what are his what are his abilities? You know what I mean? And like, we see like he's able to quickly go in the room and lift the laptop up, turn it on, put some romantic Elvis on there, and then I don't give know. her flowers. I swear to God, super speed is like the cheat code for. Hey, we don't really have a lot of budget for all these effects, so make them very fast and you know yeah. just like very quick little blurs. <laughs> they do show him like bouncing around here and there, especially that scene when he's chasing his dad. Oh. It's like when he's uh, what, what was he doing to the deputy? Was he just smashing her up and down through the house? Yeah, that's all he, he was, was doing. Just brutal. Yeah. See all the pow, 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 pow. it's like pinball style. And you can see like she's just <laughs> internally. She's got all these lacerations and her fucking face. Yeah, she got she got fucked up. But yeah. when, his, when his mom jumps out the window and she cuts her hand in the same place, same scar, and she's like, "It's a ship." That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, let's go. Uh, yeah, that, I did. Yeah. I did like some of the scenes where where it was like he was going so fast, where he was ripping off the like the wood paneling. That was that that was pretty awesome. That looked good. Hiding under the yeah. fucking the uh, the island and the oh, kid. Yeah. Mm hmm. I think, Elizabeth Bank, Banks killed it. Like she was just so. I was like, man, she she she's she'd make a great mom. I'm sure she's. I don't know. Uh, she'd make a great mom. She's like, you know, she's suspenseful. Like I really thought that she absolutely uh, stole the show, um, even with her bad uh, Evanescence fall. <laughs> well, that's not her fault. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. But no, I totally agree with you, Botter. I think she's kind of the heart and soul of the movie. Um, and I, I agree that I think David Denham does a fantastic job. Too. Oh, yeah. I think both of them are the heart, but especially her. And I yeah. think I think without her, I I don't know that it that the movie would have come together and worked for me as well as it did. Because I feel like I'm doing a lot of like kind of defending and like um like apolo not apologizing, but like um kind of like not litigating certain things that I would normally litigate that you guys are complaining about because I feel like there's something about it that just really comes together and works well um, in an unusual way for me. And I think, uh, I, I think I feel that way. And I, I can directly say it's Elizabeth Banks. I think like the yeah, parents being the heart and soul her. of it, like, cause I mean, really, let's be real. They, that is the only folks that you're rooting for to me. I, they were, I get it like that. That was not the point to be rooting for, you know, the kid or, or evil Superman. Right. I Like I said, I, I wish there was a little more complexity to them. To me, there's a little black and white transformation. But Elizabeth Banks and, and um, I'm sorry, what was his name again? David I Denham. Probably, David Denham are like that that magnet for me that kept me like, wow, there, there's something here. And yeah. I know yeah, any time they were on screen. I thought David Denham did a fantastic job all the way up to the scene where he's looking for the shirt. 
it just seemed way too convenient, you know, and, you know, Brandon has to go take a shower and it's like, what are you doing? Uh, sorry, son. I, um, where did yeah, he put that I, shirt, I, by the way? Did he just, like, he put it in like, like in his butt in his waistband or something. Or something. Okay, got yeah. it. And he's like, babe, check out this shirt. She's like, why does it smell like your ass? she's like she's like honey that's not blood that's shit all right i think you have hemorrhoids doo-doo brown okay well and bother i think you were talking earlier about what good parents um tori and kyle are and Mm. i think it's it's worth noting that i i agree with you i think they're both really good parents but in different ways i think that they're not the same in their approach to parenting. I think they have very different relationships with their son. And I think that that's okay. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. You can have like, you can have these two different characters who have a different approach to parenting, but I still think they're both good parents. But I, I think that's an interesting thing that the movie does is it sort of highlights this tendency of the father now i don't know whether they're intending to extrapolate this to like a commentary mm. on how like fathers are versus mothers but in this case i was just about to go there yeah <laughs> I'm, like... I'm not gonna add on another <laughs> layer but this is just my read on it um i think the father is i think they both occupy sort of sort of stereotypical roles oh, of yeah. the mother and the father where the father is harder on the son he's quicker to be like we got to do something about this, you know, and the mother. We have to kill this kid. And the yeah, I mean, mom's like, I wouldn't say that's the stereotype, but in this case, yeah, he does. Yeah, it. yeah. And, and I the think mom's like, this... that's my baby. He can do no yeah, wrong in my eyes. Exactly. I think there is a tendency <laughs> of mothers to like defend yeah. their children more um, and give them the benefit of the doubt more easily than, th- at least in this case, that I think she's obviously much quicker to give him the benefit of the doubt, even, sure. even when it flies in the face and- of evidence but i but in her defense i think you have to admit that like if we're considering this the world that this movie takes place in and considering it as like real life i mean that's pretty that's like a pretty big ask to be like no your son is an alien and like we have to kill him like that's 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 a tough pill to swallow even if you have evidence that something is very wrong here you know what i mean so like, isn't it a kind of a smart trope to say that the father is nature and the mother is nurture at, you know, and it goes so quickly. No, I think that. it's more like the father is tough love. No, I don't think so because he's the first like, one that wants to shoot him in the head. I mean, again, he just, he, he gets thrown and all of a sudden he turns, he's like, yeah, let's go hunting son. And then the mom's like, okay, well, you guys are getting along now. So let's keep the peace in the house. Right. I do think that how naive they saw or not, I don't know, in denial, they they hold on throughout the entire film. That annoys me a little bit. I understand it coming from the mother. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I got you. Uh, but I just like they hold on to it a little bit longer than I think works for mm-hmm. the film. Like, I think, you know, the father's catching on pretty early that something's up. The mother's a little bit in denial, but she knows stuff, too, because she's keeping stuff from the dad. She didn't tell him that he found the kid down by the spaceship when he was sleepwalking uh yeah. so and the fact that they he came off a spaceship is like enough to i feel like you could have abandoned your love for him at some point and been like all right we gotta do something about this but <laughs> i mean it's like i'm sorry i'm sorry just hearing the phrase you could have abandoned your love for him <laughs> it's a funny ass <laughs> world phrase man. about the world you know, less about your son so no i i see i see where you're going with it but dad's like, just that phrase in, in parenthood is is a weird mix I get it. you could abandon yeah. your love for him he's a fucking psychopath yeah, the dad's like, it sounds like a Backstreet Boys song. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, fellas, I think we've kind what, of. Uh, oh, sorry. May I say Robert. one thing really quick? Of course. You know that the eyeball, uh, the glass in the eyeball scene is the probably best. Uh, I, are we all in agreement that might be the best horror scene in this movie? Yes. I, I was, I'm, I'm voting for that. It's a tough race saying. for me between that and like the jaw falling off the face. That is pretty that's, impressive. That's a tough uh, choice are, for me. I, okay. I, I, I'm I'm with Botter. I, I again I I like that more just because you feel it more. I mean the jaw oh. just feels a little more cartoony, but like like you feel it in the eyeball. You're I'm rubbing my eye. Dude, going, oh, that hurts. So Hydroberg's got to put in extra drops. <laughs> for me, that that kind of set the, the precedence where I was like, oh, sh-. for a minute when when I when I got to that scene, I was like, what what am I in for? And I kind of was like, shit, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this, like for this, uh, for this podcast. Cause sh- for me, those type of scenes really gets me. Cause I'm just thinking about it all day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I just get kind of hyper fixated, but I currently have the IMD pulled up uh, on, on my side screen and they're showing the entire scene, like the whole eyeball scene. So I'm talking to you guys and I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't know IMDb can show this. Like, this is insane. Yeah. Uh, just real quick before we wrap up, I did like the at the very end we get like the mysterious uh, figure uh, scene. Oh, yes. Like, about it, we get they basically were alluding that there was a whole Justice League. Yeah, like an evil Justice, like a woman. Yeah, with, which, which yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like, okay, like woman. Yeah, like if they would have had the opportunity to tell more of these stories, I'm not mm-hmm. saying like a fucking whole cinematic universe, like maybe two more and do group some of them together. Like a but I feel like. Connect. Yeah, I feel like it probably would have gotten even better because of the, the 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 seeds they laid with this one. You Did know, you, I one of the pictures that they showed was was super Rain Wilson's character from that movie. James oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the same was, movie, yeah, yeah. But, see, that I did not pick up on because that is not. Uh, an area I'm familiar with. So like, I just thought he was rattling off weird stuff. <laughs> well, again, I, I, I've reviewed this movie before, but the mid credit scene is wonderfully done. I love the fact that they showed kind of a Wonder Woman type figure and an Aquaman type <laughs> figure. And I, I, I was just like, that's pretty. That, that's, that's really brilliant. awesome. And I love yeah. that Rooker's just like, we need to, these motherfuckers are eating our lunch. We need yeah, to, yeah, up, we'd... you know, and fight back or whatever. Like, yeah. bunch that they're real. And talk about crossover, man. Rooker is in DC, and he's in Marvel. Yeah, oh man. My God. You, you know, uh, um, did you guys notice that James Gunn's uh, wife is in this movie as well? Yes, she plays the, the teacher. teacher. Yep. Oh, for real? And she's yeah. in Peacemaker, too. She plays Hardcore. <laughs> well, it, it got me thinking about a, a little headline I'd seen a couple of months ago where someone, or maybe someone on Twitter, had like added him was like, yo, why is your wife in all of your movies? Why do you always have the same people? But specifically his wife. And he's like, because I like working with her. I like working with, you yeah. know, uh, of Michael Rooker. Like, I like working with these people. Like, yeah, of Heidelberg, some, some people like working with their wives, like Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but not oh. that, ending, that that ending was pretty was pretty cool. Uh, like, I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say, even though I, I rated this movie as, uh, closer to the suck side, the thought of like one more showcasing like the other evil versions of like you know evil wonder woman and you know aquaman is kind of interesting to me it kind of piques my interest how couldn't how could you not bring another like universe into this like dc the good version you know even if it's like suicide squad coming in you know the the shark guy or king shark or whatever his name is that'd be rad i wanted to do something with you guys real quick i know we're short on time but bother since you're like the comic book guy i kind of had like a little something here real quick like a (coughs) quick game i just wanted you guys to try and list as best as you can 
um, like Brightburn's powers and abilities that we picked up on in the film. Like uh, I have a list here from Villains Wiki that I can use as a um, as a sheet just to check them off. I, I won't play, but I was wondering if like Botter, what did you pick up on as far as like his uh, his move set, like superhuman what like things that he had like Superman. Oh, like, all right, he had he had super can... speed. He had super speed, which he showcased throughout the whole movie. Matter of fact, they, they even showed it in a gruesome way. I think for the most part, they showed all of his, you know, Superman's powers turned horrific in a gruesome way. The, uh, he kills his dad with the uh, with his eye beams, right? He just melts his uh, he melts his head. They call it heat vision on the list, but sure, okay, sure. So he's got the heat vision. He's got the super speed, which they show in a horrific way because that's how he kills essentially the sheriff. He moves so fast that he, uh, um, you know, obliterates him with the the uh, through the home house column or the column right. in the house. Uh, let's see what else has he got. Super flight. strength, which yeah, flight. I, yeah. Super strength, which they showed him tossing the lawnmower. Was there another instance of super strength? I guess him destroying a crushing plane. Crushing her hand, crushing the girl's yeah. hand. That too. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, let's see. I said speed. I said heat vision. I said strength. Uh, ind- indestructibility. That's what I was going with. Was it was the other one? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else? I feel like those four. That's the four more. Superhuman senses. Um, we don't really. Uh, I'm sure you can hear really? good. They never really. Kind of a, I don't feel like that's portrayed really. No, they, not really. Actually, right, they imply it weekly. Yeah. Uh, very weekly. It's when he's in his room and he's listening in on his parents. True, but yeah. I really oh. just kind of took it as not this like house super- ain't got. This house has just got some weak walls, as you went ahead and showed. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, they do say he's got electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic destruction. That's right. He got, he's got like a. He's like a built-in EM. EMP wave. Or uh, some shit. Um, heat vision, uh, telekinesis, which is, I guess, he rips the the door off after he like cuts it in half with his laser beam. That's true. But it was super speed that he like pulled it off. Yeah, so that he just ripped it off by hand. Yeah, it's like standing away from it once it's off. So maybe he pulls it off with his mind. I don't. I don't never really picked up on that. And then there's uh, technopathy, which I don't know what that even is. Controlling technology like the laptop. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. To the- so I don't Damn. think he's like physically doing it with super speed. I think he's like telepathically of- doing. Yeah, it. yeah. I think it's tied uh, to that EMP thing he got going on. That makes sense. That's how he turned on the laptop and stuff. But yeah. I because uh, I was trying to he think. Had a, he had a hell of a power set. Yeah, he did. Strong for a young kid. And I think that's what you know. The common complaint about Superman is right. It's like, yo, he's so powerful. What's the point? What's the threat? And the best writers lean into that, like upbringing, the humanity. What does he represent for people? Um, and I think that's the only way to do. You know, someone so powerful. Well, otherwise you get something like a bright burn where it's really just like a, ske- a spectacle to watch. Like, okay, how's he going to kill him with this power? What's, you know, this look like in a, in a horror scene. Um, yep. and, and that's not to completely say there wasn't like, you know, um, the, the, those levels of um, storytelling and emotions and, and themes like, like Jacqueline uh, put, I thought she put a good spotlight on it, but that's what I'm getting at. It's just that it can be difficult. It's difficult to do Superman, but it's also not impossible to do someone that's like omnipotent. You really got to lean in on like, the storytelling and that, those beats. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, I think we've had a great discussion here. Are y'all ready to give your ratings? Sure. I am. Yep. All right. Hydroberg, this was your pick. So why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, some pros. I, there's some good pacing in this film. It's a crisp hour and a half. I think it moves at a good pace. Uh, you, you guys had mentioned a couple of issues with some editing here and there, but um, I do think that they could have added a little bit in certain spots, maybe. But I don't want anything to be feel like bloat either. You know what I mean? But I do think there are a couple of things we could have um, leaned in on story wise. Uh, but overall, the pacing's pretty, pretty quick. I like it. Um, just like our boy Brightburn. 
Uh, I do like that this tells like the tale of a horrific version of Superman. I think it does a pretty good job of that. It's it's the first thing I've ever seen actually tackle that. It's a cool idea that I'm surprised nobody's ever done before already. And mm -hmm. I, I I like that. I like it. It, it. it blends two worlds that I'm into. I like comic book stuff and I like horror. And I thought this film does a pretty good job of doing both. It could have seemed cheesy, but I think it straddles that that line pretty well. Mm. Um, and when when it delivers the horror, it delivers pretty good moments. So I, I dug that. Um, I like how his powers are awakened and how like horribly they, they make him feel at first, how horrible. Um, but then he just kind of gives into it. And it's like a second person is awakened inside of him. You know what I mean? Like a dormant side, his alien side, if you will. So I kind of like that um, and how he kind of comes to grips with it and just kinda gets this like God complex at, at some point. Um, I think this film does a really good job of building tension in certain moments where I didn't anticipate it. I didn't think it would be that great uh, being its subject matter. I, I, and I think the horror stuff works pretty good. I think the scenes play out pretty well as far as a horror film goes. And I think, um, I don't know, being that they're wrapped up in like this super villain, like origin sort of story, I think it works well. Like the, it's like got a different veil to it than say is the Superman story. It's a little different, um, but similar. And I like that about the film. It doesn't totally tread on everything Superman did. I think the gore in this film we touched on is great. It's a great mix of practical and CGI. I think it's mostly CGI, but it's pretty well done. Um, it's subtle. There's not a ton of it, but when it's there, it's pretty gruesome and it looks pretty cool. Um, it's good sound effects, too, whenever there's gore. Uh, and there's some disturbing scenes that utilize it, too. I thought, you know, he's killing his family, like his uncle. His uncle was cool. You know what I mean? He's a cool guy. And he fucking he died a horrible death. And I felt bad during that moment. I was like, damn, bro. Ah. Uh, uh, the story is lacking, though, uh, in some spots. Uh, I just wish we got a little bit more centered around Brandon and his parents. I do wish that that was the focal point of the film, and I thought they'd do a decent job with it. But I think there could have been a little bit more emotion there for me. I would have felt more about his turn. Um, and there's a lack of heart to their relationship, I, I think. I don't think it's entirely hollow, but I do feel like it just didn't hit the mark for me. And I mean that more with their relationship with the kid rather than the relationship of the couple, Kyle and Tori, because I think theirs is stronger, their relationship's stronger, but we lose that a little bit. I think when we see them with Brandon, I just, I don't know, they don't establish it enough for me to feel like, oh, this is this this family unit, and we get like a scene or two, and then, you know, the spooky stuff kind of starts happening, which we, I know, you know, kind of want that in a movie anyway. You kind of want it to get to the good parts, but I wouldn't have minded a little 10 or 15 minutes more of something establishing a little bit more about when he was a kid growing up or I don't know, show, show him as a child showing his powers showing up a little bit or something weird that the parents look at each other. Like, what the fuck was that about? You know what I mean? I don't know. Just build upon that a little bit more. I would have loved that. To be honest, I, you guys raved about it. I didn't love Elizabeth Banks's acting in this film. Uh, I don't dislike her as an actress. I just didn't, I didn't think, I don't know. Like I, I felt like they could have cast a better mother figure in my opinion, to be honest. Um, she was like the cool mom, but like her, I don't know. She was in denial like the whole time. And I just, I don't necessarily know if it was an acting choice. It might've been a directing thing, to be honest, or the way the scene was written. Um, I just, I don't know. There was something about her. She felt off at scenes. I just didn't believe it as much as I wanted to. Um, I didn't hate it either though. So, but it's a, you know, it's a gripe. Uh, and the film to me, it does rely heavily on its audience it, having knowledge of Superman's origin, which a lot, a lot of people do, but there's going to be some that don't. And as a comic book guy like I do, and most of us do here, but I can see it being an issue with some viewers on a first time viewing if they don't even know, like without marketing and stuff like that, 
you know, we saw the marketing when this came out. So we knew it's like, oh, it's an evil Superman movie. But if you were just put this on, someone might not pick up on those things right away. So I think that could be a detriment to some viewers. Um, but I mean, we're I'm a comic book guy, body or comic book guy. We know what we were getting into. Um, with that said, I'm going to give Brightburn. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 origin stories. Hmm. <laughs> 7.5 out of 10 origin stories. Yep. All right. Good points from Hyderberg. I enjoyed it. Points. <laughs> Botter, would you like to go next? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get um, only because I had to cover it, <clears throat> covered a majority of it. I'm gonna give you the, the the quick and dirty here. Pacing is a plus. I, to coin a phrase from uh, my co-host Ashley, it definitely respects your time at yeah. clocking in at exactly about an hour and a half. Respect your time because the pacing is you know pretty uh, pretty quick. Um, I do give them points on the novelty of it. Like I said, I, I as far as my research goes, this is the first live action like evil superman kind of thing out there so i do give them the no you know points on the novelty of it you know filling in that um that space and giving us exactly that um extra points for uh elizabeth uh elizabeth banks and our guy um i'm gonna continue saying his name all types are wrong david denham. Even though i had david denham even though i had him right in the beginning uh, extra points to david denham and elizabeth banks i think i think they'll definitely keep you um uh, watching this movie and you know, I, uh, I went into this kind of dinging them for the potential and what I thought it, it should be and could be. But the more I realized, like, you know, take it for what it is and, and really kind of getting um, a different perspective, Jacqueline, for what you brought up. I think it does add a layer to it, but I don't think there's too many. There's there's not too many more layers to go into this movie. I think you get what you get with this, especially knowing that, you know, their goal is to tell a what do they the phrase I think they coined was a hero horror hero mm. horror. I think you get exactly that. And that's not bad at all. That is not bad. I would definitely give this movie a, uh, I give this movie a seven out of 10, a strong seven out of 10. Seven yeah. out of 10. All right. Origin stories from Botter. Cool. John, what say you? Man, I, I'm, I'm kind of with these guys because it's kind of my jam, but it's not, you know, I, I loved comic books when I was eh, preteen teenagers and I, I got out of it, but, but not to say that I would ever knock it because I think comic books are art, you know, they're, they're, they're beautiful things to watch. And you know, like you said, Butter, it, it's really is just kind of this different kind of premise, which I really enjoyed about it. I mean, there was a lot of cutscenes that just really bothered me on this I guess it would be my third time watching it, but it was, it was fun. It was just, you're going to be entertained. I, I wanted a little more gore. I wanted a little more backstory to Brandon um, and, and maybe him building up these powers or kind of realizing almost like Superman does or, or like any other superhero origin or reverse of that. Um, I'm going to make mine really quick. I'm, I'm also going to give it a seven out of 10 origin stories. Okay. Wow, yeah. you guys are hewing close to the bone here. Yeah. How about you, Jacqueline? Oh, I think I'm going to be an outlier here. Um, oh, boy. Do well, it. Do it. <laughs> well, okay. So, Botter, you said something earlier to the effect of, like, you know, you can't expect too many layers out of this movie. And, like, it feels like they were just going to make a, like, this is a kind of a spectacle. This is, like, a an evil Superman movie, and that's what you're going to get. And I feel like it's some reviews that I've read have been very critical of it in that way that like it's kind of no substance really. And it's just kind of taking this evil Superman direction. And I, I actually really don't understand that 
um, criticism. I feel like this movie has a lot of heart to it. I just think the heart might be coming from a different direction than maybe some people were expecting. And like, I know you talked um, at length about sort of your hopes for it in exploring some of the, um, you know, the mythology of the Superman, subverting some of these tropes. And you were looking for kind of certain, um, certain paths for this movie to explore that didn't really happen. So I get that. And I get that, like, coming from your kind of expertise as, you know, knowing a lot about comics and stuff, it seems reasonable to have those expectations. And so I get it how that might feel like a letdown, like, oh, this wasn't the avenue I expected it to go down. Um, And so maybe that's why I was able to enjoy it so much, because I had no such expectations, um, because that's not my world. You know what I mean? To me, I actually feel like this movie actually played like a horror drama to me, like almost in the same vein as like Hereditary. And, uh, you know, not the same kind of movie and not the same kind of drama, but to me at its heart, this was a family story. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel like it does a good job portraying that this is a loving family. It's a little small nuclear family unit. It's in a very small rural town. And I actually feel like there are a lot of ways that, um, the filmmaker like sort of captured this small town feel like the fact that the aunt is his guidance counselor and Mm. she's the only guidance counselor in the whole school district. Like that is wild. Um, (laughs) And the fact that like we see the same character in two different capacities, both as Erica is a waitress, but she's also the mother of the crush. Like this is a very small insular town and everybody knows everybody. And I think that makes it feel like the deaths and the injuries that occur in this film, like they feel very grave to me Mm. because it's such a a close knit community. They like, they might not all like each other, but they all know each other. Like these are people who have probably spent their whole lives together. Like, you know, this is not a place that like people are flocking to from other States. Like, Oh, I'm going to go live in Brightburn, Kansas. Like that's not, these are people who have like lived their whole lives together. And so to me, like that hit hard. Like I felt that when terrible things happen to members of this community so I feel like the movie did have a lot of heart. It was just kind of in a different direction than maybe certain people were expecting. So I don't know if that's partly a gender thing. I don't know if that's partly a, you know, um, you know, certain people having more of a background in comics than I do. And so just different right. expectations. Um, I also probably read it a little differently as a parent and as an adopted child. Hmm. And so to me, it was very satisfying on an emotional level. And it was also very satisfying on a gore level. Um, So it worked for me as a drama and it worked as a horror. Um, John, I think you were talking about tension or maybe that was you, Heidelberg. I'm sorry. Um, I think there is some very real tension in the the movie, like when Aunt Merrily is in the house alone and the Alexa voice or whatever is like motion detected in the yard. And um, and that happens multiple times and she's alone in this house and she's just been threatened by her nephew. I mean, that's just one example, but I feel like there was a lot of that. And there was a very dark and disturbing tone to the whole thing. And as a parent, that's kind of like my biggest fear. Like what if my child turns out to like be a bad person or what if my child turns out to do something really bad or hurt somebody? It's that's like a, that's terribly frightening. So I don't know this just like really hit for me (laughs) and I really didn't expect it to. Um, so I feel like I could talk a lot more about it, but I'll just cut it short and say that I give this nine out of 10 origin stories. Hell yeah. Whoa. Just worked for me. 
You know, no accounting for taste, right? <laughs> Look, your justification uh, was A plus. I, I give you that. You stood, your, you stood your ground on that one. Well, thank you. As was yours. It's just you know, I think people coming from different places and having different opinions. For sure. That's you know, that's all it is. So yeah, that was it. Shall we go? Nice. Well, fellas, it's been a good time. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the trivia tonight. There wasn't really anything like earth shattering. I'm so. It said it's based on Superman. The end. It's ba- <laughs> you Did go. you guys know that this was based on Superman? <laughs> what? Wait, what? Comic books? Oh. <laughs> um, although I, I will just mention real quick, um, there was a lot of negative. There were so many negative reviews, like really devastating reviews that I was like, Weird. I who, don't... who hurt you? Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the worst movie. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I, I I saw that on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like a fifty five percent from uh, from the critics, but it was like seventy percent from the audience. So kind of where we were. Right? I care more about what the audience. Those yeah. are my <clears throat> yeah, true. Like like Roger Ebert was long dead by the time this movie came out, but his website's still running, and there were just other reviewers writing the reviews on there. They gave it okay. one star. I was like, Are Damn. you kidding me? I don't think that's Damn. fair. No. So, Damn. I just, no, it's not that bad. I think Come that's on. harsh. I think that's harsh. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I was like, goodness gracious. That's horrible. That, yeah. But uh, it was but, profitable. It was it was quite profitable. I think yeah. it uh, it was made for between six and twelve million dollars, and I think it grossed like uh, in the thirty something million. Oh, sweet, no, it's so, easy. It's not bad. Nice. Well, see, and that's th- that's why why we got the short box podcast with the a cut above podcast because it, it's that intertwining of genres, right? So the comic yeah. books Better with and this the, and the talk coming together. Yeah, this is a good <laughs> yeah. dovetail. The horror, and we got the the comic books and yeah beautiful marriage beautiful marriage mm-hmm. it was it was it was it was very nice honeymoon and hopefully we stay together forever yeah right? you know what honeymoon. we were we were basically elizabeth banks and david denham this yeah. episode, right? <laughs> Strong relationship. we may be different but we <laughs> but we still come together and compliment each other <laughs> i gave a compliment on the uh the 400th episode of uh short box which i want to say again is a huge um, achievement but also Congratulations, you guys don't know, but Botter just got engaged to oh. his girlfriend Blythe. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I'm very happy for you guys. Botter, congratulations, congratulations awesome. dude! I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thank Mazel you. Yeah. Thank yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great news. Well, yeah, fellas, it's it's been a great conversation. Botter, so great to have you on and have your perspective on yeah. on this movie. Um, I feel for like sure. that, yeah, my pleasure. It my wouldn't pleasure. have been the same without you. So, thanks for joining us on that. See, you've joined our kumbaya like family. Yeah, you know I I loved it. All right, this was a really big honor. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and it, yeah, really inspiring. Thank you guys so much for having me. Modern, just, and don't just make it like all about superhero or comic book movies. Come back on with us. Oh, anytime. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. I want to talk about some random shit. Like you're not the yeah. biggest horror guy. So I felt like this would be a good way to get you on board. No, and- look, uh, I'm on board now. Uh, yeah. You know, watching this, I was like, and then kind of listening to you guys talk to the cinema villains. I was like, yeah, I, I know that if, if I got into this, I'd really get into this because I, I feel like mm-hmm. uh, horror fans just have that same level of, you know, just commitment. 
in love of like the the culture that surrounds you know it's it's bigger than just the movies or the blood or the gore or yeah in my case like the the superheroes or the books or shit it's like the community and in the culture around it is is what you're like this like talking exactly it i was about you know something you're into with friends and then learning different uh, perspectives and opinions on something Mm -hmm. yeah so i guess i I guess botter's going to be our guest next week when we do a serbian film Oh God! <laughs> oh, Potter, don't listen to him. Just, just walk away now. Walk away still slowly. Can. I got you. You don't even know what you're getting into. Just... No, we'll we'll never do that movie on this no, show. No, we're not going to do ever, that ever, ever. No thanks. Uh, Google it later, Potter. If you don't know, what yeah, we're yeah. Doing. Right, I got you. Um, I will not. <laughs> or don't Google it. No, don't or, Google yeah, or it. don't, or don't, 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 don't Google yeah, it. Yeah, or don't. Uh, all right, so this was Hyderberg's pick. Next week, it's mm-hmm. John's pick. John, what do you have lined up for us next week? Oh my gosh, this is a movie I, I think we've talked about multiple times, and I really wanted to get it on the show. We're going to talk about 2000, maybe 22 or 23, Pearl. 23, from- right? Yeah. What are we talking about? Or it was a late 22. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. so it will be Pearl from Ty West. And I don't want to spoil... Who are going to be? Was that a clue? Mm. (laughs) You know, it's just it's it's on ice. You know, just maybe killer. Just get a killer workout in. You know, don't worry. I'm really looking forward (laughs) to seeing who it's going to be. Oh my god, the anticipation, anticipation, (laughs) feeling. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing who these mystery guests could possibly be. I don't have a clue, Uh, but yeah. So is Pearl still on Max? Is that where it is right now? It's no, somewhere streaming for free. No. Or is it Paramount? Where is it? It is Paramount. Paramount. Um, so, oh, okay. so if you don't have Paramount, you're going to have to rent, rent it for like yeah. five bucks. So. Okay. Worth it to hear us talk about it. And it's, it's so worth it. It's it's a You should watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. you should watch the movie. I've never uh, seen it. So Wait, you still I'm haven't excited. seen it? No, oh, no okay. that's why okay. I picked it. I've never okay. seen it. So okay. I'm excited. All right, all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this will be a nice follow-up to our X episode from last spring, I guess. Um, all right. So everybody go watch Pearl. I almost just said X. Everybody go watch Pearl from late 2022. Mm-hmm. Join us back here next week to hear us discuss it with possibly some special mystery guests. In the meantime, Botter, you want to tell people Stephen where they can follow Leo. you? I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you okay there? Yeah, I'm fine. Stephen and Leo. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Take yeah. care of yourself there. I'm uh, right. Potter, you want to um, tell people where they can find you on social media? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at, I'm, I'm sure Hyderberg, you'll probably just uh, link to it oh, in the I'll show notes. Link of the short box, but yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, at the short box Jackson. I think it's the same thing for Instagram. Just search the short box podcast. But uh, if you are listening to this uh, episode, if you're listening to my voice right now, you're probably on Spotify or <laughs> Apple Podcasts or some other podcast app. Go ahead and do yourselves a favor. Search for the short box, the comic book talk show, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, because, yeah, we've been doing this thing for a long time now, since 2012. We've wow. been entertaining people Dang. around the world with honest and hilarious conversations about comics. Podcast around, like, since podcast wasn't huge then. I said you're one of the oldest oh, yeah, yeah. ongoing podcasts about comic books. I have been around the block a few times. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I am. I am. I am a, yes, I am a crazy person. I don't know why I've been doing it this long, but it's been hella fun. And we've definitely got a cool ass community over at the short box. So check out the short box. Uh, and like I said, we cover comics, uh, we cover pop culture as well as comic culture as well. And our goal is always to have an entertaining show before 
anything else. So even if you're not completely into the comic book world, or maybe you're like comic curious, the short box oh, is curious. the place you want to go. That goal, my friend. I you love would. that. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Botter. So everybody go check that out. Make sure you follow him and subscribe to the podcast. Leave those good ratings. In the meantime, if you want to share your thoughts with us, you can always email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on X, X. at <laughs> cut above horror. Uh, yeah. if you wanted to tell us your secret identity. You can catch us on Instagram <laughs> cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, uh, cut above colon horror review. Uh, let me plug it again for Botter. Uh, short box podcast. Go follow it. Give them the five-star review and ratings. Uh, I guess you can get the reviews on uh, iTunes and then we'll give the ratings on iTunes and Spotify, but give us that too. I'll cut above horror review. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. Well, it's been fun. Thanks so much for this great conversation. Um, yeah, that was a great one. And we'll see everybody next week back here for Pearl. Uh, and don't forget to continue to make mine and make yours short box. And keep it creepy. Creepy.